episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on October the 30th, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the most flaming ever. Caffeine Rage. And I thought we agreed you're the most flaming. No, I'm the most gay. Well, why shouldn't you be happy? On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played this week. We'll have our October Game Club, which is Alan Wake, American Nightmare. We'll discuss our next Game Club game. The games industry says single-player games aren't going anywhere. Microsoft has stopped manufacturing the Kinect. CCP exits the VR business. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds could face bans in China. We'll have our weekly community corner and our Steam weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rach. Hello. How are you? Uh, well, a lot better than the Kevin Spacey's career right now. Indeed, yes. Yes, indeed. If you haven't seen the news, someone has accused Kevin Spacey of molesting them when they were a 14-year-old child, and Kevin Spacey kind of sort of denied it, and then is like, uh, oh, He said he I'm... didn't remember it, but uh, uh, what I've seen about it is true. But uh, And then he goes, oh, and by the way, I'm also gay. And it's like, well, that's great, Kevin Spacey. I'm glad you're gay because I've had a crush on you for forever. But that doesn't expunge the fact that you've been accused of molesting a child. And apparently there's been some other stuff that hasn't made it into the news cycle yet. But people have been saying, like, yeah, I worked with him and he did this awful thing to me while I was there. And I didn't want to accuse him of anything because I didn't want to ruin my career. So, I mean, it, you know, innocent until proven guilty, all that jazz. But still, well, it's... Jared, if uh, what's coming out is true, it, you still don't have a chance with Kevin Spacey. Only now, it's, <laughs> instead, it's because you're too old. Yeah, I've never stood a chance with Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Which is sad. I'll always love the work you did, even if you turn out to be a shitty person. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, never meet your heroes. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think that's kind of a, a rule that you should go by these days. Don't follow them on Twitter. Don't do uh, anything because, oh, I, I followed a couple of people on Twitter and saw they were kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's disappointing. Indeed it is. Except us. If we're your heroes, totally follow us on Twitter. That's a, at JMA4707. And Daniel on, on Twitter. CR. Even Actually, though I have to say, yeah, you know, if we're the, their heroes, um, that's kind of a low bar. <laughs> Speak for yourself, sir. I am quite a high bar to follow. Sure, you are. That's why you should follow me on Twitter at JMA four seven zero seven. Ding. No, I'm not saying I they sh- shouldn't follow us. I'm just saying uh, heroes, really. I have gotten several new Twitter followers on this past week, or and only like half of them were Twitter bots. That were either that or people like, I want to promote my thing, so I'm going to follow you on Twitter in the hopes that you'll follow me back. Yeah, I've gotten a couple of those. And actually, the uh, our uh, Twitter account for this has gotten a couple of porn actresses following it lately. So, you know, we got that going for us. Oh, yeah, I got one of those, too. Yeah, you know, just a little I, bit of random ass. I, uh, last week was when it happened, and I had a Twitter notification and I opened up the app like, Oh, I 
got a new follower. I wonder who this person could be. Because whenever I get new followers, I like send them a mess- little message. It's like, hey, thanks for following me. Hope you enjoy what I post. So I went to go check there. Unless you're a the- Trump supporter, then boy, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. But so I went to go tw- check their page and like I opened up and I'm like, yep, that's just porn. That's that's just porn on their on their feed. I was sitting there with Amy and the we were eating lunch in the office. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, that's just porn. And she's like, what? Let me see. And so like I showed her my phone and she was like, you know, I don't know what I was expecting. It's literally just some <laughs> porn on a Twitter account. And I was like, yeah, I wasn't lying to you. Oh. She opened up the brown paper bag. I don't know what I was expecting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you have to admit that some of those Twitter accounts, uh, they really show the marvels of modern medicine and uh, modern plastic surgery. Indeed they do. And then, uh, yeah, the uh, lack of control of some people with uh, said marvels. Indeed. I mean, I'm all for some... Some big old fake boobies. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, doesn't but, bother me one bit. Yeah, but then they look. Uh, some of them look like they're just uh, like cannons on a rusted out ship, just mm, just hanging yep. there. I know what you mean, and I'm okay with that. Well, of course, because your standards are low. I'm uh, I'm uh, okay uh, with lots of things. <laughs> well, we've already established this. But well, this is not straight as a pretzel, so yeah, we're not going that far, most likely. I will go that far. <laughs> like I said, most likely. Yeah. Anyways, do you want to go talk about the games that we played this week and just yes, get that over with? Yes, occasionally we do talk about video games. <laughs> oh wait, indeed, uh, wrong podcast. And I really, I really want to get to the game <laughs> club because I want to talk about Alan Wake. So, games. Yeah, I only have two this week because, well, it was a game club week, and I'm stealing one from you because we both played it, so. Right. Uh, My solo game, uh, well, it is a solitaire game, so it does work as a solo game as well. See what I did there? Do you you play it with your right hand? Uh, Actually, my left. Oh, you're a lefty. Uh, Nice. No, I I just hold uh, my phone with my right. (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm only a South Park with my phone. Or South Paul. South Park. Uh, well, actually, South Park does have a mobile game coming out before too long. Well, I, I, I was going to say, do you have South Park? I, I, I was uh, looking at uh, games on uh, mobile, trying to find something to play to talk about because, well, I, it was a light week for me because, yeah, game club. And we're recording a day early. And usually Mondays is the day that I you know, pick something kind of random and play it a bit to possibly talk about it on here. So I did that this morning with Underhand. This is a solitaire card game on mobile. And I should say that this is kind of a odd game for mobile. Mostly because I did not see a single ad on this. And this is a free game. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty intense. Uh, that's, but in a good way. Th- that's rare, isn't it? Indeed. You sure you didn't have airplane mode turned on by accident? Yes, I don't run airplane mode on my phone. Okay. Uh, trust me, I, I I looked in the reviews, it's like, I haven't seen any ads. Is there something subliminal here that I should be looking out for? Am I uh, going to suddenly uh, hear a bell and have a craving for, like, Wendy's or something? <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, wake up and I'm in Burger King uh, wearing the uh, paper crown. It's like, how did I get here? There's not even a Burger King near me. How do I get home? You go that away. Uh, I bet you'd want me to go that away. But no, anyway. I want you to come this way. Oh, my. Anyway, Underhand, this is a solitaire card game where you're a cult leader and you're trying to summon the Elder Gods. And it's a interesting idea and it works fairly well as a game, but I had some issues with it. But then again, this is also me we're talking about. <laughs> right? And, and I'm somewhat critical. Uh, I know, I know. Shocking, I know. You, you could say that, yes. Well... My main issue is that I seem to have some sort of progression bug where after summoning the second god out of, I think, seven, it just wouldn't progress and uh, give me the next deck. It kept replaying the second uh, deck over and over again. But I had to regress. I should talk about the gameplay first. Uh, It's a solitaire game where you're going through a deck of cards and uh, each card has a various... Uh, scenarios that you can play out and to uh, use those scenarios they either give you cards uh, your resources that are in your hand or they cost resources from your hand and my biggest beef outside of just general bugs is that it's a little bit cumbersome on how to manage your resources because you have six different resources you have suspension suspicion of your uh, uh, cult which is pretty much always bad. You have food, prisoners, cultists, money, and relics. I was able to remember all six. <laughs> uh, relics are considered a wild card, but they're also very rare, and they're used in uh, some of the rituals to complete the game. Cultists are your followers, and they're used for various events requiring manpower. Prisoners could uh, sometimes be used in place of cultists, particularly on sacrifices, or uh, to uh, convert prisoners into cultists, you know, just brainwashing them. Food is what keeps your colonists fed, or your cultists fed, I should say. Uh, Money is your monetary power, and yeah. And you're having to balance all these while keeping your suspicion down and also keeping at least one food card in your hand. And on top of this, if you go over 15 cards, which is actually a lot easier than what you may think because all your resources are different uh, or a single card. So if you have five money in your hand, well, that's five year 15 cards. It could also trigger additional scenarios that play out from your deck. And each of these scenarios have uh, up to three options, usually either one, two, uh, occasional three. Usually, the third option is just, you know, discard or, you know, uh, continue on. And uh, you're trying to just basically go through the deck and summon up this god by uh, playing this uh, uh, single card over and over again. Uh, Usually with varying uh, resources that you have to burn. Like, uh, the one that I kept getting was going on a jungle expedition to be able to... uh, find the hidden temple of this god to summon him. Well, that requires food and colonists to send out the expedition. Uh, Then the card comes back around after discarding it, and then after you go through your entire deck, you reshuffle the cards and uh, play the deck again, or at least all the cards that stick around. 
Some cards are just single burns. Like, you could infiltrate the police to try to burn some of the excess suspicion that you have going on. And you play that card once unless you decide to hold on to it and to uh, yeah, play it later. If you play out the scenario, it uh, removes the card from play until that card gets reinserted into the discard deck uh, from a different card. It's, it sounds a lot more complex than what it really is, to be perfectly honest. It's a very simple game. Uh, but okay. it's, it's an interesting premise. Uh, I think that's the big thing about it, is that it's usually these uh, solitaire games, or these card games, I should say, are you play a hand, you play your single card, and it does something no matter what. The fact that this gives you an option of three things to do, and some of them are instant losses, such as if you piss off the gods by not uh, doing a sacrifice, which is either killing off two... Uh, uh, two of your prisoners, or one cultist, then uh, it, it creates a Wrath of the Gods card. So the next time you go through your deck, the Wrath of the Gods comes up, and you either, uh, well, one of them I got was either uh, perform a big sacrifice, which was four cultists, which is very rare to have that many, unless you're gearing up for something else, was, uh, sacrifice two relics, or you lose outright. And I did mention uh, that there's suspicion. If you have more than four of the suspicion cards, it triggers a special event in your deck. It shovels it in. If you have uh, too much, uh, too many cards, it also creates a greed card that will randomly discard uh, uh, up to, I think it's five cards, to try to get you below the 15. And that could also really hurt you if you're trying to build up to something. It's a game about balancing out your resources and figuring out what the deck entails. It's actually a lot of fun, but like I said, it's a little bit buggy. Or at least, uh, if there's something I have to do to progress to the third deck, every, every one of the scenarios is a different deck. Plus, you have blessings from the previous gods that you summoned. Like, the first god gives you a, a chance to have a card in your deck that just outright gives you resources. Uh, called Beginner's Luck. And the second uh, deck has a, a card called Necromancy, which could either uh, kill off your prisoners to make them cultists, uh, you dig up uh, corpses from the nearby town, but this also causes a little bit of suspicion, or you just say, yeah, I prefer my uh, followers living, <laughs> and discard it. Or I should say, put it back in the discard deck for it to come back around. It, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Uh, I installed it on my phone immediately when he said it didn't have ads. Like, that was good enough for me to give it a shot. But that yeah. actually sounds like a really interesting... Yeah, it's an interesting uh, solitaire game. And it seems like uh, that's what I kind of gravitate to is all these oddball solitaire uh, card games. <laughs> At least on right. mobile. Well, I mean, I've got my Sakura games, you know, so you need a hobby too. Yeah, but mine's not uh, including masturbating. <laughs> the best hobby. I did try to play a secure game uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, and oh, it was bad. But it was also the roguelite tower defense one. It, it just did not play well. It was obviously you know, just there for the boobies. Right. Or I just have higher standards for my roguelites. Which is also mm, possible. Possibly. Maybe even probably. 
I would say definitely. <laughs> uh, but any questions? I don't think so. I mean, it sounds pretty or relatively straightforward. Yeah, uh, my, yeah my biggest uh, issue is that it's very hard to see just exactly what's in your hand because they uh, play it out like a hand of cards. Uh, for all your resources, and that's literally all that's ever in your hand is your resources. It would have made it a lot more sense if they had some sort of table or just have it where all the cards are on the uh, table face up so you can see, okay, well, I have this as much as suspicion, I have this much money, that sort of thing. The fact that they play it like a hand of cards and you have to uh, swipe left and right to not only... Look to see what you have, but also to sacrifice the cards because that's it, how you uh, do some of these events, like uh, sending out your expedition to uh, into the jungle. It counts it as a sacrifice, so you're uh, putting out two colon or two cultists. I keep wanting to call it colonists because I play a little too much Rimworld, <laughs> and uh, two food for the big party or one and one for the small party. Well, you have to swipe through, uh, put two colonists on the table, two food. And then you uh, choose the option. You j it would have been a lot more streamlined if you know you just hit the option and it uh, discards the cards uh, automatically. Yeah, it sounds like there's extra steps involved. Yeah. It should be. Yeah, it's a little bit more cumbersome than what it should be. But it, yeah, they're also a completely free game soon. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just not sure if I'm hitting a bug on my progression or if it's just a chance that, yo, after the first deck, it comes up a chance to do the next one. Because if you don't do the expedition, or at least start it, uh, then you hit, it, hit, you hit a do-win scenario. Because I hit that as well, where I, I hit the Kobayashi Maru. I was literally about to say, it's the Kobayashi Maru. Where... I uh, saw that, okay, well, it's doing the jungle expedition again. I, I don't want to do that. I want to see if I could you know, just say, ah, that's baseless rumors and see if the next one comes up. Well, it discarded it from my deck and the next one never came up. So I'm not sure if, you know, if it's always just one uh, chance or what. I'm not 100% certain on just how progression works in this game. Right. Well, it's a good little time waster. Uh, each game takes, I would say, five to ten minutes, depending on how lucky or unlucky you get. And also depends on the deck composition, because I've gotten some varying things. I got one that, uh, one deck that was a lot tougher than uh, some others. I, then I got some other decks that gave me a lot of resources, and I was almost, uh, uh, you know, just a, a glut of uh, money that I didn't really have anything to spend on. Outside of just trying to drop suspicion. You know, donate to charity. <laughs> money, 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 money. Yo, only if we money. had that problem. Yo. Yeah. I got too much only money. I, if only I had too much money. They say money can't buy happiness, but those bastards must have never had bills. Uh, well, like Weird Al said, money may not be, be able to ha buy happiness, so you might as well rent it. <laughs> Yeah. Or did you ever not hear his uh, song, This Is The Life? No, I've heard that song. <laughs> oh, Weird Al. Uh, he has a lot of musical talent. Yeah, and he's still somewhat relevant. 
I guess it's been a while since he's made a song, at least that I'm aware of. Uh, he did an album two years ago. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, Mandatory Fun. I'll have to look into that album. I don't know how I completely missed that, but I, I did. I think it was only two years ago. I know it was pretty recent, and he's doing a new tour uh, where it's all his original works. Of course, not coming to my state, but then again, yeah. Can't blame him there. Yeah. Now I'm wanting to see, uh, um, let's see, mandatory fun was, oh, 2014, so it's a, a bit further back than what I was thinking, but still fairly recent. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Fairly. Um. Okay. So, uh, shall we so, talk more warships? Yeah, let's talk about warships. Yeah, uh, um, you wanted to talk about the Halloween update, so I threw it on my list as well to just kind of pad time. Right, so for um, Halloween, well, Warships runs weekly events now. Apparently that's a thing, and I just haven't noticed since I've been playing again, because I haven't really gone and, like, clicked around. But, so they run weekly well, they, events. Well, the interface you can do, is a little cumbersome. Yeah, whether you can do PvE content. Um, and for Halloween, they've been running one where that you're... Tower defense. Like, in a steampunky type ship designs... That, yeah, it's like a tower, well, it's a literal tower defense. You have towers that are closing this giant portal, and you must defend them. So yeah, that's why I called it tower defense, because it's literally tower defense. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the objective is to survive long enough to win the round, and also kill as many zombie ships as possible. And, man, the design and the attention to detail, both on... The player ships and the zombie ships is both really well done. Yeah, I hope Makes that, that they mode. reuse those at some point because that's a real. Those are really good models. Yeah, they created. Uh, so far, they've created six, seven classes of enemy ships plus a couple of one-offs um, for like special enemies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all very spooky ghosty halloweeny themed with like zombies and witches and undead skulls and then there's a couple of special ones like there's the great gorgon which is a special aircraft carrier that has like a dragon carcass sitting on on its deck that See, the plane take off through at, I, I never got a good look at the gorgon yeah the gorgon looks pretty cool rasputin is just a battleship with like a really well done um scary like jack-o'-lantern type costume with and some, a raggedy like, beard yeah <laughs> and some bats sticking out of the top i mean it's okay um and if it was by itself i'd be like well that's pretty cool but they did a much better job with some other aspects so i mean it's it's fun the objective is literally just to defend the towers like you said yeah and, and if you, you can lose get... a tower it adds time yeah and if you can complete the bonus objectives you'll get better rewards at the end I had a match, I guess yesterday, it might have been Saturday, where that um, we won and completed all five stars. Wow. And and the reward payout was massive. Like, it gave us, like, I got two pumpkins. The spooky crates. Yeah, the spooky crates. Um, but that was tough. We just happened to have, like, a really good team who everyone communicated with everyone. I see. Well, there's and, a there's our problem. And we had an awesome fucking carrier pilot. I think it's possible to win without the carrier, but it's a lot freaking harder. 
Yeah, see, so, I'm not that good. I, I think I'm a, I think I'm decent with the carrier. Yeah, I'm decent. I've wound up in the top three every time I've used it. Also, it adds um, a whole bunch of like special, fun themed abilities, and every ship gets a heal. Um, and the carrier has a group heal that heals all of your allies, regardless of their distance away from the carrier. Because the battle shield has a group heal as well, but it's an area heal. Yeah, and that's I had around uh, the ship. Yeah, and I had a couple people just kind of dry humping my ship trying to get the heal, which uh, is kind of counterproductive because a lot of the heal requires me to do damage. Right. Everyone's heal gets a, a bonus multiplier as they do damage. So. If you're hugging the battleship, stealing all the damage, then it's not going to be able to improve its heal any. Because every time it like goes up a level, it doubles in its strength. Yeah, um, I had one guy that was just sitting literally between me and the enemies, and I couldn't use my torpedoes, and that's a good amount of damage. Yeah, every ship is equipped with torpedoes in this mode, even the battleship. Well, not the Mace carrier, torpedoes but, are uh, yeah, that's kind of, that, that would be odd if it did have torpedoes directly. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's got torpedo planes, but I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, you weren't technical correct. Yeah, <laughs> but techni- being technically correct is the best kind of correct. Yeah, and that's the correct I want to be. I, I thought but, you I mean, wanted that's... to be politically incorrect. Well, that too. Um, but yeah, that's I mean that's the mode. It's a lot of fun. It's wacky and zany. They had a different one last week. The one from from this previous week is still ongoing. So I don't know when it ends. I think it's like the first November 1st, November 2nd when it ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got several other events that are going on through the end of the year. Just nowhere near as fun as the uh, kill, kill some zombie ships. That's the thing. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Even I mean, when you lose, it doesn't feel that bad. Yeah, because you're still getting, unless you just, like, really fuck up and die almost immediately, you're still getting a hundred plus thousand points of damage, which feels really fun, and it's kind of frantic. And... Yeah, so in other words, never play the Destroyer. Yeah. It does, though, make it to where that there's no friendly fire. Yeah, which so... uh, is really helpful, because a lot of the ships, well, I shouldn't say a lot, all the ships are very, very, very short range, especially yeah. for the battleship. It is more of a brawler than anything else. Just what what was it? Max range eight kilometers, which is it's actually uh, a little less than eight, but it's it gets rounded up for the quick yeah or whatever. It's seven point eight kilometers. Well, which is nothing. I mean, uh, I mean that's shorter than even the lowest tier battleships. Yeah, if I recall correctly. Yeah, hell, uh, most of the cruisers can fire longer range than that. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, well, I mean, the cruiser in that mode can fire nine kilometers. Yeah. The destroyer can fire something like seven, six, no, it's six, because the, it's guns and torpedo range of the same, have the same range, which is six kilometers. But, anyways, it's just a really good fun mode that's way different than the usual, like, you know, oh, let's go and fight people in multiplayer. Yeah, or and maybe the salty let's seas. Do clan battles or whatever. Yeah. Oh, there's still some salt. Usually it's a CV, a CV player bitching at all of us, and we're like, dude, you haven't done shit. Shut up. It's like we get to the end, and he's at the bottom of the list. <laughs> uh, isn't that how it is? It's always 
the squeaky wheel is always the one that's never working. Yeah. That's usually how squeaks work. Or tumors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, you guys are cancer. This is a cancer team. <laughs> I hate that guy. Wherever you are, I hate you. Ooh, uh, those are strong words. Like I was an asshole. Ooh, you guys aren't playing right. You're not playing the shit the way that I think it has to be played. You couldn't possibly be good at anything else. These ships will each only have one purpose. Well, I've gotten yelled at for uh, still being high health at the end of a match, considering I play a sniper battleship. Right. I mean, honestly, if I'm taking a lot of damage, that means I'm out of position. Yeah. Or the enemy has found your position where you were supposed to be. Or one of those fucking destroyers got passed. Yeah. Fuck destroyers in particular. (laughs) What? Fuck you in particular. (laughs) No, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And, I mean, I've been enjoying Warship since I got back into it. It's nice to see that they have a a bustling, fun PvE environment as well. Because I remember that was asked for pretty heavily when I quit. And I know that they'd put it in at some point before, but it was... It was mostly just a... Uh, testing ground or yeah, you know, uh, just training or essentially last time I played. Yeah, but this, supposedly they've refined it. I haven't done anything outside of the October challenges, so or the Halloween challenges. So I don't know if it's otherwise good, but it was good for that. Yeah, it was actually a lot of uh, uh, more in depth than I was expecting. I was expecting, you know, uh, you know, uh, a skin over everything, and you know, just uh, uh, kill enemy ships, but just the sheer number of them too. I mean, they throw what is it, thirty ships? Uh, thirty against six? <laughs> no, it's more than that. It's well, an it's endless the, stream of just ships. At the end, it comes up to thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they slowly ramp up. Uh, the initial is just a little trickle of ships, and you see a few more than. Uh, some more come out of the north, and more keep pouring out of the gate. Yeah. So, in other words, if you, we fail, just abandon all shorelines, and we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my it's, biggest complaint uh, about that mode is just lack of vision. The, I yeah, mean, as the, in literal vision. Yeah, there's this stuff that spreads. What is it? The filth? Yeah, the filth. It, oh, well, let's just call it the smog. Yeah, it's like this green smog that slowly starts engulfing the map. Yeah, and if uh, if you're in it, you take uh, constant damage, and you also have a uh, limited amount of uh, vision, uh, literal, uh, towards the ship. So, yeah, uh, in uh, World of Warships, if uh, you don't uh, you don't see all the way across the map, enemies can pop into view just because you know you're in uh, line of sight, or I should say, line of sight and in detection range. So it cuts yep. down the amount that you could see. And yeah, if you're playing the CV towards the end of the match, when I would say that the filth covers a good third of the map. Yeah. Uh, it is very hard to see anything because, yeah, it just the way you play uh, carriers in that game is that you're essentially on the map view pretty much the entire match or a zoomed in map view. Yeah, it's baby's first RTS. Yeah, and it's uh, tough to see, <laughs> just through all the filth. 
thankfully no uh friendly fire so you know whenever a destroyer dives in uh, and takes out half the torpedo plane that I was uh you know, the volley I was going in for you know I don't kill the destroyer so I got that going for me which is nice yeah granted I don't get nearly the amount of damage so you know, I, I don't think the destro- I don't think the contro- uh, the carrier's uh, heal counts on amount of damage done I think that's the only one or I don't think it has a damage multiplier I should say um yes and <laughs> possibly i mean i'm gonna, i'm going to keep playing it i hope i mean i know the mode lasts until like i said november 1st or 2nd i don't know if they're going to replace it with something different or if they'll just go back to the regular rotation but i mean it's just another reason to keep me playing warships Woo-hoo. yeah uh, as if you need a reason right <laughs> yeah I mean, you have uh, World of Warships. I have, uh, well, right now, Warframe. I may go back to Cross Out once the Halloween event is over because, oh boy, the Halloween event has fucked the economy over there. Yeah. Alrighty. Is that it for games we played this week? I think so because, yeah, it was a light week for me. Sweet. Well, thanks to a bit of faffing about, we uh, we hit the 30 minute mark like we thought. So, Woo. yay. I want to take a short break. I have run out of ice and Kool-Aid. And I drank it way too fast because it was delicious. I made it a little extra sweet by accident, but that made me want to drink it really fast. So I need to have an early elevator break. All right. So let's do that before we start Game Club. All right. Well, I guess I'll get up for a hobble while you uh, go uh, get up for hydration. Okay. I might get some coffee, too. But I'll be right. I'll be right back. After after uh, these messages from our sponsor, wait, we have a sponsor, which we don't, which we don't have. Hey, if you want to sponsor us, uh, yeah, uh, if you want, uh, hit the Patreon, Patreon. Literally, BGL podcast. There you go. Also, if for some reason any companies are listening and you want to sponsor us, please do. I'm a, I'm a whore. I will whore your products for money. You dirty slut. Yeah, baby. And after that quick and early trip to the elevator, we've come back with coffee from our lovely sponsor, Coffee, <laughs> <laughs> to discuss uh, this month's game club. Oh, what, which, we're not going to discuss coffee? Uh, coffee. It's caffeinated and delicious. Caffeinated, delicious. Much like me. Mm. Get a little slurp in there. I think I might pick that up. Oh, Definitely. That's a lovely sound. You should definitely leave that in. Yeah, I will. Mostly because of laziness more than anything else. Indeed. <laughs> adjusting adjusting my mic. Ah, I hit my noise gate. It fell down. This is just going to sound lovely. Although, honestly, my editing, correcting passes will... We'll get it. Okay. Hopefully. I think I'm good. I think I am good. Okay. Well, so, anyways. I mean, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Yeah. You're probably right. 
So, Game Club, for those of us, or for those of you who may be joining us for the first time, uh, especially after we ran our small ad campaign, we know that there are some new listeners here. Uh, Game Club is this thing where Rage and I play the exact same game and let the audience know plenty ahead of time so they can play it too if yeah, they so desire. Uh, yeah, the last week of the well, either last or uh, last week of the month or the first week of the uh, new month. We record the game club on the, well, usually the last Tuesday of the month. It's a little odd this time around because Halloween and someone has a life. And, well, mostly a kid. I have a kid, so I am required to be a good parent and uh, take him to the Well, to be fair, you're not required. It's encouraged. Yeah, fair play. Anyways, though, we started doing this because Rage and I have very different tastes in games. Usually. And very rarely do we play the same game, unless, especially at the same time. Like, it's happened a few times where that I or he will recommend something and then the other one of us will go try it out. But it's not quite the same as playing it and discussing it at the same time. Yeah, this week was kind of an idea as well because usually we don't discuss the same game uh, at the same time. Right, right. Uh, but that's what Game Club is for. So this Game Club is for our spooky Halloween episode, Ooh. Alan Wake's Alan Wake's American Nightmare. Um, we did Al- the original Alan Wake last year for Halloween, so. Yeah, and we I, wanted uh, to finish off the series. Well, hopefully not for good, because we do want another Alan Wake game. Yeah, but let's be honest, it's probably done forever. It's been years at this point. I'm not willing to say never, but unlikely. Yeah. So, um, I'll make some American Nightmare. What did you think of it, Rage, particularly in comparison to the first one? Let's. No weird deers goes the first one. I think that's pretty. Uh, I think we could agree with that one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, definitely not as good as the first one. It wasn't a bad game. Yeah, definitely uh, the, not the bad. The first time but... I really hated it, but I also was expecting something more like on Wake. This was actually the second time I played American Nightmare. The first time I played it was years ago when I picked up on the cheek it, a cheap and I played it pretty soon after the original Alan Wake. Yeah, and this is this was the first time that I had ever played it. Um, I was aware of it. I've owned it for a long time, but. We specifically said we were going to do it for this Halloween. Like, we've known about this since last year. So, I didn't play it because I wanted it my first time to be Game Club. Oh, my. Um, but, yeah. So, definitely not as good as the original Alan Wake, but not a bad game. It's got some major differences in tone, in terms of tone and Well, it's more gameplay. focused on action uh, than the original Alan Wake was. Uh, the original yeah. Alan Wake, uh, for those who haven't played it. Uh, was more built around atmosphere and character. Yeah. And this kind of uh, spookiness of not really knowing what's going on, uh, especially the main character. He is completely confused about what the fuck. Yeah. And in this one, he's a lot more competent. He's a uh, uh, granted. It makes sense in the story. If what I'm taking from it uh, is true for the story, but it's off-putting in gameplay. Is it weird that I preferred kind of the clunky, more restrictive combat of the first game? I don't think that's weird. Um, It certainly matched the tone and the style of the first game a lot better. 
Um, I like the combat from this one. It's a lot more fluid and open-ended and action-y. I'd like to have the combat of this one with the atmosphere and particularly level design of the first one. I'm not sure if it would work in the first one. The first one, being able to have combat this fluid, it would make the writer Alan Wake feel too much like an action hero, and that's what he is in this. Story-wise, I came ac- it came across to me that this is Alan Wake trying to break through from the uh, from the dark place that he was put in the last game. Well, it was, and we should probably have mentioned spoilers for both of these games, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he uh, ended up in the dark place in the end of the last game. And for me, this was him rewriting an old episode of Night Springs that he originally did in his early days as a writer, putting himself in the story to try to break through to our reality, to get out of the dark place. Right, and according to the story in this game, he's been in the dark place for about two years. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense that he's been like fighting his way through and learning... Uh, how to better handle weapons and himself. Well, and it's stuff. not just that, but if he writes himself as an action hero, he becomes an action hero. Yeah. Um. So <sighs> this game is is a lot more actiony, a lot more pulpy, a lot more campy. Oh, um, campy is not the word for it. It's cheesy. <laughs> yeah. I, um. D- I just kind of realized something that literally every character you meet is, well, at least for uh, the age of the game, a hot woman. Uh, yeah. I mean, think about it. You have the boobalicious mechanic, the uh, scientist that's in the little black dress. Of course, they do write that off saying, well, I was coming from a party and... Uh, there was this uh, weird signal. Uh, and then you have the, well, the kind of mind-fucked, uh, rather slutty woman at the drive-in theater. And that's literally the three characters you meet. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah. It, it, uh, that's why I'm. Uh, it makes me feel like that this isn't reality. This is Alan Wake trying to break through to reality. Uh, oh, they, they're all caricatures. Yeah. They're all... Stereotypes, stereotypes of female very, characters. Very, very shallow. Yeah. Although I don't think that the women in the game are portrayed poorly. No. Aside uh, from their sort of sexuality being mm-hmm. played up, they all well, that's are was, key parts of his story. Yeah, like he yeah can't, that's why I was feeling like it was uh, uh, yeah. uh, Alan Wake's early work when he was uh, just budding as a writer. All his characters are one-dimensional. And he's just repurposing the script. Right. That's fair. That makes sense. I kind of took that as, um, because he's trying to get back to Alice, all of these female characters were representative of something about Alice and how she was um, key to his, to him, to his character, to making him whole. Mm-hmm. And these were like the three sides of her well, I didn't, that he sees. I didn't sees. read into it that much. I read it more into it when he was talking about how his work at Night Springs was when he really developed his craft, and his yeah. early works would be a lot more crude. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, I mean, you know. I think it could work both ways. I think it does work both ways, but coming back to what I do for for real life, in real life. Yeah, it's almost uh, like you psychoanalyze people. 
Yeah, it's almost like I took a look at his uh, interpersonal relationships and and formed an idea of the story based around my interpretation of that. And so. I took more of a mechanical approach. Yeah. I mean, I think both of them fit, and the original Alan Wake did have some very deep, dark themes that were explored somewhat yeah, literally and, through the, yeah, and Alan the psychiatric was kind hospital. Of an ass in that game. <laughs> I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Yeah, he was. And in this game, he's much more of a, uh, I wouldn't say gentleman per se, but he's definitely a lot nicer and wants to protect more as opposed to just being a dick. Well, uh, well, what I took from it uh, was more of his interaction with uh, the antagonist, uh, Mr. Scratch, who we uh, briefly meet in the original game, uh, as kind of his dark side, and he's trying to kind of resolve that. Because Mr. Scratch... Yeah, well, uh, if you believe uh, what he says, is that Mr. Scratch's all the rumors, all the suspicion about Alan Wake realized, you know, all those uh, dark rumors that he's kind of an ass. He's, well, actually, that's not really a rumor from what we met of Alan Wake originally, but he's a womanizer. He, he uh, he'll uh, beat you up. He's not a nice person. And Mr. Scratch's all the, all the dark thoughts of Alan Wake, both himself and the general public, in one central place. Yeah, it's nega Alan. Yeah, so it, it, it he's trying to resolve his feelings about his anti-Alan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and and I think it's telling that the way that you defeat him is with literally a memorial. From Alice. Yeah. Do you want? Do you really quickly want to do a beat by beat of the story? Yeah, yeah because I've got a few specific yeah, things I want to ask you your opinion yeah, about. Yeah, this is. A, you should probably this, explain well, what's going on. Yeah, this story is built around a, a, essentially a Groundhog's Day time loop, where you're going through the same uh, sequences time and time again. Well, three times actually. Uh, each loop gets shorter and shorter. Uh, thankfully, I should say, because I have to admit that I did not care for how they did the Groundhog's Day loop. It, it didn't, I liked it, it. It didn't feel very good gameplay-wise. Maybe it's just because I found the environments a little dull. But that's probably just me going more mechanically than anything else. Uh, it, it, felt yeah, like a, it felt like a cheap way to pad out a very, very, very short game. The environments were fairly dull, I'll give you that. Um... I felt like, and also that it didn't it was, help that yeah you know, they played the same cutscene three times. Uh, the uh, same cutscene. Well, the same cutscenes. You know, the the sweeping shot over the observatory, the satellite coming down oh. from orbit, that sort of thing. It got tiresome okay. really quickly because those were not good cutscenes. Yeah, no, they weren't. Particularly this, the satellite looks super janky, super janky, and also that's a fucking huge satellite. But then, it is. but then again, if this is fiction, you know, then it makes sense that it's a fucking huge satellite. It's a, it's basically a giant version of Sputnik. Yeah. Because so, I was like, oh, panel. that's, yeah, I was like, oh, that's Sputnik. Oh, no, it's not. It's way too big. But then I thought, oh, yeah, no, this is like Twilight Zone campiness. Yeah, well, so, of well, course, well, it well, would they, be a well, giant Sputnik. Well, uh, did you listen to all the radio broadcasts? I think so. Uh, did, well, on uh, the various loops, the radio broadcasts change. And right. I think it's on the last loop. Uh, 
trying to think of where it was. I think it was at the observatory. No, no, no. It was at the motel. Uh, the talk show host. He's uh talking. No, no, no. It's definitely at the observatory because it's a uh, response to the first uh, uh, res- uh radio broadcast. He's talking about. Uh, yeah, uh, to this guy that calls in talking about how how we can't be uh, uh, have uh, free will because of fate, and the uh, the radio host uh, is talking. Uh, yeah, it gives this really long speech, and slowly it fades into the Night Springs uh, narrator. The, yeah, the two different and then voices. comes back. Yeah, I mean that tells me it's definitely uh, you know in the Night Springs universe. It, this is not reality. Yeah. Well, that and also all the night strings, you know, sounds everywhere. <laughs> right. But so anyway, so for the story, you get dropped into this um, and you have to defeat Mr. Scratch and figure out how to get back to reality, uh, essentially. reality as opposed to like the dark zone or the dark place, whatever you want to call it. Well, uh, well we should also uh, talk about the opening cutscene as well. Uh, See, I was going to I was going to talk to you about that because it's live action. Yeah, I was going to talk about how you felt about all the live action uh, stuff. I think it works really well, particularly since uh, all the uh, Mister Scratch cutscenes—I should say the TV sections—are live yeah. action, and it tells me more that it's a a, a in between of fiction and reality. You know, yeah, it's that blurred line. I was I was going to say that I really liked it too because Mister Scratch is supposed to be in the real world masquerading as Alan and so I thought that was really interesting as a way to portray him because it's I mean they, they uh, they're shot like this on purpose obviously but it's you know a bunch of like sort of handy cam footage of him doing various things yeah, and talking directly a, to Alan or setting a uh, camera on a table and talking and uh, uh, gesturing around which yeah. yeah there's one thing I really liked about Mr. Scratch is that he's cartoonishly evil. You don't see that too often these days. Yes, yes. There's one where he's, some music is playing, uh, and he's like dancing around. <laughs> yeah, like a crazy person, and then like there's this hand it, that reaches up from the table. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh god, he's murdering someone. But like the crazy dancing goes on for <laughs> me- probably 30 seconds. You're like, what is this? And then you realize, and, and you oh, see just he's in the process of murdering someone. Yeah. He murders a lot of people. He yeah. kills that girl. He slits her throat. He uh, there's uh, a guy with the bag over his head. Yeah, uh, he strangles it, yeah, him yeah, with his own tie. Yeah. Um. Is there another one where he uh, kills the, well, someone? Well, there's the guy in the motel. Yeah, the guy uh, but, in the motel. But that may be the same guy with the uh, with the tie. It's hard to tell because yeah. because one is uh, in the game and the other one is the full motion video. Right. Uh, he's got that one where he like talks about all of his weapons mm-hmm. and why he yeah. likes them. That one's yeah, that's creepy and awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just uh, yo, know, uh, when you do a little oomph. <laughs> <laughs> this one, it's you might think it's too big, but it's really good for getting the heavy work done, like dismemberments. <laughs> so, oh, I mean, I mean, just such good acting on that part. I mean, it, Although comes, that's in- it comes off as cheesy, but that's the point. Yeah. It, it takes a certain it's- amount of talent to be that cheesy and not have it you know, be you know, over the top. It's just the right amount. I Also, I I think, I'd like to think they did this on purpose. They got an actor that looked a lot like Alan Wake, oh, that's the, but uh, not uh, th- quite. Well, they uh, set the character model to that actor originally. 
Oh, okay. I didn't know that. If uh, 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 everything I've read is true, uh, uh, he's the kind of the uh, facial model, if memory serves. Okay. Well, I. It looks like ninety five percent of the way there, but it's just well, they, enough well, that they, they could add some makeup or something, you know. Yeah, it's it's just enough different that it again adds to that juxtaposition of the real world versus the dark zone game world. Mm-hmm. So, I thought that was really clever. I don't know if they did that on purpose or if it was just a happy accident, but it works. No, the, I think they definitely did it on purpose because uh, they put a lot of thought into this. Yeah. The opening of the game, um, I, I, I said this to you, like the first, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes, it feels like they've crammed like, or they've tried to put this new sort of more open environment and the different combat system and less light and less creepiness, but tried to keep the same sort of storytelling tone. Yeah, it does, I and don't think it works all that well. It it doesn't work great. And then you get to where you have to destroy the oil, oil rig and the... You change you change reality in the air quotes, and then the that song starts playing, and the, the satellite falls down from space and yeah. blows First it time, up. And I'm like, okay, then uh, second time, fine. Third time, oh for fuck's sake, can, can I just skip this cutscene? Actually, I really liked it. The cutscene was terrible, but like when it happens, I'm like, okay, I get what this game is now. I understand the new tone that they're setting, and I can roll with it, and the rest of the game worked fine for me. But that first 20 or 30 minutes, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this very much. Yeah, uh, this game feels like a bridge to the next Alan Lake game that we haven't seen yet, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, for now, it ends up being just a bridge to nowhere. Yeah. We still haven't done that story beat, by the way. We we yeah. got derailed. Oh, well, there's a shock. Yeah. So, like like we already said, it's a time loop that you go through three times, and it changes and speeds up as you go along as the characters that you meet remember things and help you, and also just Alan is like, well, I've been through this before, so I know what to do. I don't have to yeah. go learn this thing. I can just go punch in the code or whatever. Um, and it starts out, you get dropped in, and you're... Still trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, you're in this um, uh, dark you go to this, shadow, uh, uh, shadow yeah. realm almost. And and this this is sorry. Uh, and uh, the uh, smoke pulls back and it opens up to the first level. Right, and this first level is pretty big. It's a lot more open than any of the the other levels, and a lot more open than previous levels in the Alan the the other Alan Wake game. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if they were going for, like, not necessarily an open-world thing, but more non-linear storytelling with it, um, which does not work very well, in my opinion, with Alan Wake. I much prefer the original linear level design. Yeah. But, um, anyways, it's this area with a gas station and a motel and a diner in it, and you have to find some clues to figure out where to go next, and you speak to, what was her name, Emma? Yeah, Emma. Is it Emma? Yeah, you speak to Emma, who's like the gas station mechanic, um, and she winds up getting killed. Dude, spoilers. And oh, wait. <laughs> then you progress on to the next area, which is an observatory, mm-hmm. which is much smaller, not necessarily uh, more com- linear. Uh, more vertical. Yeah, it's more vertical, um, but more compact overall, and you have to repair a telescope so that you can get some kind of message from outer space. Yeah, which uh, is uh, uh, essentially the message that you're giving yourself to uh, end the game or in the right. in the loop. 
right? And the first time through, you only get part of it. And then you move on to the next area after you've completed that, which is uh, like a drive-in movie theater. Oh, and at the observatory, there's uh, Professor Black Black Dress, whose name I can't remember yeah. at all. Um, and then you move on to the third area, which is a, like I said, a drive-in theater. And um, that's where you attempt to alter reality for the second time to defeat Mr. Scratch. You you run into yeah. You're him constantly and uh, trying to uh, change reality at the drive-in theater. It, it's the uh, tipping point. It's the trigger, right? Um, but you run into Mister Scratch there, and you have to fight him. Well, fight him. I'm air quotes. Yeah, you never actually um, fight him directly. Yeah, you can like you can shoot him and like shine your light on him, and he just like disappears, and he sends baddies after mm-hmm. you. And each loop, the baddies get progressively. More difficult yeah, until to he fight. unleashes King Hillbilly. Yeah, um, I did uh, it, like the more focused humor of this. Uh, there was uh, funny moments uh, in the first game, but it seemed like they tried to uh, make it a little bit more humorous this time around. Granted, they didn't really have Barry in the game; it, they had him in the radio interviews for, with the old gods of uh, Asgard. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, uh, he shows up in the initial cutscene uh, as it, uh, the camera comes in, shows Barry Allen's uh, uh, press pass and or backstage pass, I should say, and he's sleeping on the bed. And uh, it cuts to the TV showing an old Night Springs episode written by Alan Wake, and then it goes into the TV, and there's yeah, uh, the beginning of the game. He's also in the post credit scene. Yeah, Did you well, see I, w- that? I was going to leave that uh, till the end. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> um, but anyway, so there's also the, the third character, the slutty mind controlled girl yeah. at the drive in theater, um, who you help and remove her like mind controlness. Mm-hmm. Well, at least um, once. But, you're you're but not required you to only do had, it, uh, uh, any other times. Yeah, I did though. I went back and freed her every time. Yeah, I, um, I didn't, but I was more just trying to get through the game at that point. <laughs> right. But so you attempt to alter reality, but you fail because you only got a partial message. So you only have part of the instruction on how to do it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and the entire thing is uh, just setting the details, and that's really what this game is about: is to try to alter reality. You have to have all the details correct, and everything else kind of just falls into place. And uh, a lot of it is kind of incoincidental uh, things, you know, like shining a light on a, uh, a fire extinguisher. Yo, how that works? Magic. Hell if I know. Um, but so then you do the second loop, which is you go to the same three areas, but, but it, the characters, yeah, the characters start to remember what's happened, and it makes me wonder something. Since Alan uh, is uh, so kind of foggy, do you think he's gone through this loop more than three times? I think he. I has. think so. <laughs> I think he's been through the loop a lot more than three times. And it's just, it, he's finally starting to understand what's going on. It, it, every time he's uh, getting more and more of his memory back. Right. And uh, there, there's uh, very few more hellish things I could think of than a time loop. Especially one that you can't escape. Yeah. Um. But so as you go through the time loop, they've start to remember and that various characters help you which speeds up the process yeah, especially emma yeah 
Because the, the first time, I mean, it's not super far. You have to run to get everything, but you have to do a lot of running around in the first area just because it's bigger. And the second time you go through, she's got everything for you except for the battery. One, the battery, which you have to go to a tunnel to get. And then the third time, she has done everything and has set up the thing at the oil derrick for you. So as soon as you plop in, you kill King Hillbilly, the first one, <laughs> and then go to the oil derrick and blow it up. And then go see her. And she's like, yeah, you know, I, I just did I, some I'm, drugs I'm, and helped you. Yeah, yeah, I, I took a, a hit of the herb. But I, I want you to uh, keep me alive this time, please. Yeah, because she dies the first two times. Um but then well, you figure out that the... Well, it makes me wonder, the, does the scientist live? Because, you know, she doesn't remember anything after you leave. Or or is it more the fact that this is a Night Springs episode, so after her character's off screen, she doesn't exist anymore? Yeah, I kind of went with that one. Yeah. Um, that once she's off screen, she doesn't exist anymore. And it's the same for the other two characters, but Emma had, you know, like, she remembers dying, because you're still in the area yeah, when she dies. Yeah, it's on screen. Right. Uh, and but Slutty Girl doesn't say anything. No, she's too busy trying to get in her pants. What's her name? Sis, sis something. I, I Sylvia. I, I only really, really remember Emma because it's a you know, kind of an old fashioned name, and it makes yeah. it, it it kind of lends the air to this being fiction as well. You know, you don't see many Emmas around, especially in Arizona. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the third time through, like. You can just go really fast because all of the characters help you right away because they remember everything. And then when you get to the end, you don't have to go help What's-Her-Face because uh, you have all the information. You just go in and get the key. Yeah, you shoot all the fountains with the flare with your remaining flare gun air, uh, ammo, which uh, – can, can we talk a little bit about uh, the tone of combat? More that I never really felt like I was underpowered, that I felt – uh, very action hero and it makes me feel like this is borderline on horror. The last one feels uh, a lot more psychological horror, mostly because it felt like the world was against me and I was uh, underpowered. I was underprepared. I was always scrambling for stuff. I was always being very careful with my ammo. I didn't want to run out. This time, there's ammo everywhere. Literally. Also, also the first time, this didn't happen to me at all in this game. I don't even know if it's possible, but in the first game... Every so often, there would be an enemy that would just, like, pop in from behind you. And you get, like, that little camera slowdown yeah, and yeah, be like, oh, there's the enemy. He's about yeah, to kill yeah, you. Yeah, that didn't happen you. in this at all. The uh, only time yeah, the camera did the slowdown thing was whenever you dodged. And there was a couple times that the enemies did sneak up on me. Which, uh, you know, uh, is probably the closest thing to a horror moment in this. And there was also a couple times. The only time I really took damage was whenever the game did a dick move. The, the first time through the first area... The sound fell down on top of me, and it trapped me with the enemy in there. And that, I took a lot of damage there, but you know, I popped a uh, flare and you know, got him to back off. I uh, uh, stepped away from the game for a short time, came uh, loaded back in, and all the enemies were literally standing right around me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he's back! Get him! Yeah. Uh, the first time that that... I forget which enemy it is. The one that charges at you... Mm -hmm. You can't actually, like, stop him or anything, even if you shine your light on him. I think a flare stops them, but otherwise, nothing stops them. And I didn't realize that the first time, so I took damage when one of those guys charged at me. Well, also, well, I didn't use it, but the crossbow, I used it the first time around, uh, first time I played it, and it could go through the dark shields. Yeah, 
Yeah, I used the crossbow and the magnum for the entire game once I picked up both of them. I just uh, used the assault rifle, which the fact that you get an assault rifle but it, you know, doesn't feel like it's a horror game. Yeah, I used that and also, like I said, the fact that there is ammo everywhere and it respawns. Yeah, the ammo respawns. Because I was being a little conservative at first, and then I realized, oh, all of the ammo respawns within seconds after you pick it up. Mm-hmm. Within, I would so say, I 30 was, seconds. Yeah, so I just was like, screw it. I'm going to stop going for headshots and stuff. I'm just going to open up on them. Yeah, the only ammo that is even remotely rare, I would say, is the flare gun ammo. Yeah. But that's pretty much a one-shot kill on anything except King Hillbilly. Yeah. And then um, the oil... What are they? The little pump things at the very end mm-hmm. that guard the uh, the projector booth because they have like three bits and whichever one of them you shoot with a flare gun dies and the other two take massive damage and you just well, shine your flashlight on them for a second okay, well sometimes the flare gun even kills two of them well uh i've one shot at all three of us uh got either one or two and then the flare damage just flares just off the third Oh, maybe I just wasn't patient enough because I would shoot the flare and it would like well, well, blow the fir- up well, the and first immediately time, kill one. The first time, yeah, I shot it, I got to, and before I even shot the flashlight on it because I was having the char- uh, you know, a charger come at me, uh, yeah, I dodged him and the uh, as I was dodging the oil derelict or whatever the fountain uh, uh, destroyed itself from the flare gun damage. It's like, well, okay, it does that, so I just did it to the other two. What do you what do you think of the enemies in this one? Because in the first one, uh, they're a lot more varied. Had... I gotta give yeah. it that much because uh, the first game, yes, the models change slightly or, or drastically depending on the level, but it's always yeah the same types. You have essentially, I would say, what three, maybe four types in the original game. Yeah, this one aside from the bosses, yeah, this one is a lot more varied. I, I really like the bird enemies. I thought that was a really cool effect of them jumping up and turning into a, uh, just a flock of birds and flying around. I even though, I thought that was really cool. They're yeah, really annoying, that, but that was a cool effect. Well, uh, uh, they were pretty much insta-killed by the assault rifle. Yeah, same for the Magnum. And What uh, <sighs> what guns did you use? Uh, assault rifle and uh, the uh, uh, just the sawed-off shotgun. But I, okay. but I rarely used a shotgun. How do you, I used the pump shotgun until I got the crossbow and then I kept the crossbow for the rest of the game. And then I used, I, I switched up my pistol a lot until I got the magnum and then I kept the magnum because I used, well, the you, assault, you start with well, like well, the, the nine assault millimeter. rifle takes the rifle slot, uh, obviously, and the assault yeah. off shotgun takes the pistol slot. The pistol slot, And, and yeah. the pistol, and the assault off is able to kill all of those uh, little annoying bastards that split when you shine the light on them. Uh, in yeah. one shot. And uh, there's actually an achievement for getting more than one in one shot. Yeah, I got that achievement because I mean I carried it on the shotgun for the first portion of the game. Um, d- I think it's interesting that the nail gun is featured like on the cover and it's for the weak game, as that, uh, and it's weak as hell. like the weakest weapon. It's terrible. I think it's trying to set more of a, a tone that this uh, Alan Wake's use of more improvised weapons, but then you know you, they have all these locked chests around that you unlock with the manuscript pages. And they're just absurdly powerful guns. Uh, I was one page off of getting the combat shotgun, which I imagine is, you know, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, I did not. I mean, I 
I collected the manuscript pages that were like right there in front of me. I watched a YouTube video that was just a collection of all the manuscript pages after I mm-hmm. finished it. Yeah, I didn't. Just because I wanted yeah, to I see, but I didn't want to take the time to collect them. Yeah, I didn't listen to all the manuscript pages, or at least that I, I could recall. But it's all pretty much a side story with some backstory. Yeah. Uh, from at least what I listened to. Yeah, it's it's nifty. It's not necessary. Yeah, but, it's not. You know, it's it's nice. But I do like the fact that they did change it from being just outright spoilers, like in the first game, because the Alan Wake's uh, manuscript pages, you would read them and it would be something that would happen in you know, 15, 20 minutes. I mean, for beta. Yeah. And that uh, really irritated me. That was the thing I hated most about Alan Wake was that all the uh, you know, really interesting bits if you got the right manuscript pages, were completely spoiled. Granted, yeah. sometimes uh, it uh, gave you a lot more motivation uh, to the characters. But, you know, that was more rare than, you know, just spoilers, which was irritating. Well, that, that happens in a couple of places in American Nightmare. Well, I was going through a um, time, and I already had the manuscript pages, so they didn't show up. So I didn't recall if there was any major spoilers. Yeah, there was a few um, when I went back and watched the video because it would, like, show the location of where you get it. Like, I mean, it's relatively obvious what's going to happen at the end of the game. But if you weren't, like, paying attention or maybe you got a little confused, there's a manuscript page that specifically, like, spells out, like, okay, I'm going to feed the the video in and this is going to be what gets Mr. Scratch. And it's like, okay, well, that's that's a spoiler. Yeah. Uh, but most of them are back uh, are backstory for various characters or like just there's side a couple story. that have to uh, there's uh, I know there's at least a couple of uh, with Barry uh, talking about him becoming a producer. <laughs> yeah, there's two or three that deal with each of the characters that you meet in in this story um or in American Nightmare. There's a couple that deal with Alice, there's a couple that deal with actually there's quite a few that deal with Alan and like what he's been doing in the darkness and how he feels he's transformed as a person and become better. There's a lot that have to do with that. So it's it's nice filler stuff, nice additional background information, but certainly not necessary. Still, though, I feel like it's done. It's done right. Yeah, I have to admit that I did miss Barry. I I did too. I, I he mean, can, Barry, he can Barry, be annoying. Yeah, Barry was annoying, but he was endearing. Uh, the, yeah, the I fact mean, well, that, I mean, he's your best friend. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the fact that my favorite part of uh, of Alan Wake was Barry carrying around that damn cutout. <laughs> Yeah, that was amazing. Hey, ow! I saved the cutout! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, okay, well, there's also one other moment I want to ask. Uh, the final showdown in the observatory. The sun rock star moment. <laughs> yeah, that I, was... I, 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 first time around, I was like... Okay, now, is this in Alan's head, or did the uh, scientist just decide, you would be really badass right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, that was a surprise, but also really awesome. It was awesome, but I, I wish it was done a little bit better. The The second time that they did it, though, uh, with the, when you fight the two King Hillbillies yeah. at the same time, that one was not, I didn't like that. Uh, well, I think it uh, also, it doesn't fit the moment nearly as well. That should have been some sort of final encounter against Mr. Scratch directly. Yeah. Because it's just uh, him going, I'm a psycho psycho. 
It's the same song that you see him dancing to earlier, waving a knife around. Yeah, which was a, a neat payoff, but I felt like it just mismatched what you were doing. The tone of it wasn't yeah. right. Whereas the rock star moment was like, okay, yeah, I get this. I see this. This is like my action hero moment. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, it reminded me a lot of the rock star. Uh, uh, well, that's what's uh, uh, the first that's obviously what they uh, drew inspiration from. Yeah, uh, that has to be probably one of the more memorable moments of Alan Wake was, you know, that uh, just rock star moment fighting on the stage. And coincidentally, the same year that we had Left for Dead <laughs> do the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was good. And the the I guess the homage would be the right Yeah. O- homage, term? okay. Well I wasn't going I wasn't thinking of the right term, so I was just going uh, inspiration because uh, they obviously uh, drew inspiration from people loving it. Yeah. yeah they wanted yeah, to do something like that. it. It was that was that was cool. I, I, I do think that they may have listened too much to people complaining about the combat, though, uh, and made it a little too fluid. Yeah, well, for what you're doing, I think this combat system is better. Yeah, but if they do a th- if they do a third or you know, Alan Wake two or you know, whatever they uh, uh, eventually call it, because I do think that they'll do an Alan Wake uh, eventually. It's too it's too much of a uh, of a cult classic at this point to not revisit at some point. Oh God, Alan Wake remastered. Uh, I, That's what we'll get. I, 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 why do you have to monkey paw this? I have the remastered version. It's called the PC version. <laughs> oh, sorry, I can't sell um, that anymore. Too much licensed music. Yeah, but uh, but uh, if they uh, well, I, I shouldn't say. Uh, when they do, if they do another Alan Wake game with Alan Wake in the real world, uh, uh, trying to fight the darkness one last time, I think that yes, it should be more fluid than what it was in the original Alan Wake, but nowhere dear as competent this time around. Yeah, you know, uh, somewhere in between the uh, Alan Wake American Nightmare and Alan Wake. Okay, because uh, they. There's a definite tone shift whenever you go too action uh, oriented. That uh, to me, horror always is the underdog, you know, someone that's not powerful. And for this, yeah, you know, I never felt like I was in any real danger. Right. The, the only danger moment I felt was um, uh, running from the oncoming horde, and that was just because, you know, it wasn't the objective to fight them. Right. Um, I think they they attempt through storytelling as opposed to gameplay mechanics to say that Alan is weaker than Mr. Scratch. Because he even says like once or twice, like, I might not be as strong as him, but I definitely have more wit than he does. But it doesn't translate to the fact that you're not mm-hmm. like you're not an action maybe, hero. Maybe they should have had it where he fought Mr. Scratch directly at one point and just lost. Yeah. I mean, I would be, I think that's what they're trying to do with the cutscene that they replay, well, not that they replay, but that they have different versions of yeah. where they, Mr. Scratch like resets him because Alan's like, you know, show yourself, come out here. And Mr. Scratch is just like, ha ha, fuck you. And then like blasts him and sends him back. But, yeah, but doesn't that doesn't do it nearly as well. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, cause it would, it would mean something like, oh man, I'm kick ass. Like I'm, 
you know, all these guys, I'm just murdering them and I'm awesome. I'm action hero. And then you fight Mr. Scratch and he just annihilates you. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm not as powerful as I thought. Like I'm better than all the goons, but the boss guy, I don't I I'm going to have to figure out how to beat him with my brains. Yeah. It's called projecting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> um, I mean, that's still not quite as good as the first system's clunkiness, making you feel like, you know, yeah, you're it's, struggling it's the whole the time. Rare times that I'll, uh, kind of, uh, think that the charm of the game is clunkiness, <laughs> I think. Yeah. It's not as good as that, but it's better than what we've got. Mm-hmm. Because I like, I really do like the fluid combat system. I like not having to fight it, but at the same time, I do agree with you that it makes it a little less, I don't know, compelling to be the. Well, the scary also there movie was a lot of uh, really subtle things in the original Alan Wake that over the course of the game, his stamina it lasts longer, so he's able to run farther. That uh, you uh, do eventually start getting better with the you. Well, you as a player start getting used to how the gunplay feels and you start doing better. So it does, it's kind of a, an immerse, more immersive than what American Nightmare was. Maybe that's the best way to do it uh, or to say it. And the fact that the overall theme of the game is uh, in that uh, vein as well, that they go for a more atmospheric storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, the atmospheric storytelling was, I mean, the biggest, the best part of the first game. And also, I would say, arguably, uh, the graphics are better than the original Alan Lake, possibly just due to all the fog effects and all the uh, lighting effects hiding uh, kind of the older style or older graphics technology. Uh, there, uh, there's, a de- there's a definite uh, uh, feeling of atmosphere that, makes it feel more modern than than American Nightmare, where they go for pretty much very plain open world. Right. At least in my opinion. Um, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, I miss... <laughs> as weird as this sounds, I miss driving. <laughs> uh I think uh, driving in uh, the Alan Wake's games, uh, it, yes, it was very basic, and it was also kind of a holdover from when it was more of an open world game, according to the del- de- according to the dev commentary. But it tied the game world together a lot more. It did. I mean, hell, the 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 levels in American Nightmare are much smaller than even the smallest of Alan Wake levels. Yeah, but because they're not linear, they feel... Bigger. They f- bigger. And, uh, interestingly enough, even though you could go roam around a bit more, there was a lot less to actually explore yeah. than the linear levels. I I always felt like I was like, ooh, what's over here in the first Alan Wake? And in this one, I'm like, oh, look, another rock. Hey, look, this rock has less polygons than that rock. Like, I just I just gave up exploring by the time I got to the the third area. Well, I already knew that there was nothing really to explore, so yeah, you know, I just uh, you know followed the uh, checkpoints, right? Yeah, I was like, oh, what's, what's what might be over here? 
but there's nothing. Oh, look, another rock. Well, also, uh, the original Alan Wake really rewarded you for exploring with the caches from uh, the Lady of the Light. Yeah, you had the caches, and then also they had a few little other things, too. And they're not just just even just world building, you know, the various signs, the various overlooks, that sort of thing. Yeah, this there's nothing. This, uh, well, like I said, this is a bridge to the next Alan Wake game that we just haven't gotten yet, and that makes it feel a lot more detrimental. And this is also going to be the middle child and the middle part of a trilogy. Yeah, you really want to include this in the main story is usually the weaker part because it's tying the beginning and the end together. Yeah. Yeah. That is very true. Well, there's a few exceptions to that. A few exceptions, but usually the By and large, yeah. Yeah. Another thing that fails middle stories is that oftentimes you'll get like a great first one because they don't expect to get another one. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this one was a hit. Let's build a second one. And then the the writers or the producers or whoever. Well, it that's is, what happened to the Back to the Future together. trilogy. Yeah. Was that? Uh, was it the producer? But uh, there there was one uh, uh, the creator. I think it was Bob Zemeckis that was saying. If we were playing a second movie, we would have never had Marty get in the car. And especially not with Jennifer. <laughs> yeah. Because it set him up for a bad place to uh, start the second movie. Granted, yeah, I think they did fairly well just uh, yeah, camping it up. Yeah, Back to the Future is one of the examples where the second one was still pretty good. This, I mean, I think Empire Strikes Back is the like the quintessential like second movie was a surprise, but it turned out to be the best one because of, you know reasons uh, because uh people are still uh leashing george lucas yeah if if you don't if you give lucas complete creative control you get prequels if you uh, yeah. if you rate him in a little bit you get the original trilogy if you don't have him yeah. involved at all you get the disney star wars which is somewhere in between but closer to the original than the prequels at least so far yeah but uh we digress as uh, per usual. <laughs> I would say more um, obviously at this point. Uh, well, uh, uh, what was it that chemist called us? Digressional video game uh, uh, commentary? <laughs> I don't remember that, but sounds about it, right. It was in his uh, uh, list of uh, podcasts. I gotcha. Um, okay, so we've covered a lot of ground in this yeah. game. Um, more than I was we've expecting. We've done... Same here. Uh, do you have any any more thoughts or questions or comparisons? Uh, not really. I, this uh, it's not the game I was expecting when I originally played it. Uh, the second time through, because I was expecting the t- uh, tone a bit better, I liked it a, a bit more. Graded. I don't think it's something I'll rush to ever play again unless there's a reason for it. But it's not a bad game, but it's not a great game. I think this may fall into one of those areas where it's an okay game, but it's not a good Alan Wake game. You know, it, it's yeah, it's a good game, but it's not good for the franchise. So what I want to do, because I mean, I played Alan Wake last year, and I played this now. What I want to do is is put just a little bit of room between me and it, and then I want to go back and I want to play Alan Wake. And then American Nightmare, like back to back. Yeah, there's uh, 
a real whiplash when you do that. <laughs> and that's why that, I really didn't like it originally. True, but there's a lot of story stuff that I didn't remember just because it had been so long. Um, and a lot of things that I'm like, wait, does this connect back to this in yeah, there, some way? Yeah, there's a couple callbacks, but there's not a lot. Uh, a direct callbacks, I should say. Right. But I just I just want to do that, like playing back to back and see what it's like to do so. But uh yeah, I think I'm with you, like, you know, on a on a scale of one to ten, like a real unbiased rating scale. This is probably like a six, you know, five oh, to six, cancer. like an like an average game to a slightly above average game. Um as a standalone, it might be closer to like a a seven. If we didn't have um, this be an out of weight game, but yo, yo. Uh, be Al Sleep or Bob Sleep or yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeffrey Slumber. <laughs> All right, there we go. Uh, and uh, this was uh, released to well, yeah, back in the day. You know, let's not make it a modern game because that, yeah, Bob Martyred standards. Oh boy. Well, first of all, no loot crates. Yeah, you know, can't have that. Uh, I think it would have been yeah. You know, uh, Fairly well received, but it wouldn't be something that people would remember. But because it's top yeah. of the Alan Wake franchise, and Alan Wake, the original one, was so remembered and so uh, loved by a certain niche. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was a cult classic, yeah. cult hit sort of game. Then I think this is kind of drug along in that, uh, well, the Wake, yeah, of uh, the ah. first game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, I think if you like sort of campy, schlocky horror type stuff, but you don't want to be like super terrified or like super grossed out yeah. by yeah, that's a the lot. Of, yeah, that's that a lot of horror that. is that either gross out or jump scares. And, and yeah, I don't and like this is really of neither of those. It's just kind of campy and silly. So if you're into that, this is a great game this for feels, you. This feels like '90s comedy horror. Yeah. yeah, like this, uh, the old Scream movies, but yeah, before they were all tits. <laughs> yeah, or... Um, or drug humor. Scary movie. Yeah, maybe not scary movie. Scary movie was a yeah. little bit raunchy. This isn't that, but... Yeah. Yeah, well, well scary movie was that more comedy than anything else. Uh, uh, Scream was still a bit horror, if I recall correctly. It's been, Oh, it's been ages since I've seen those movies. Yeah, I don't. I don't watch a lot of horror related anything, just because I don't like to be scared <laughs> at all. Which is one of the reasons I like Alan Wake so much. It's more psychological, mm-hmm. especially the early, the first one, more psychological horror as opposed to jump scary, terrifying. You know, wake you up in the middle of the night with night terrors horror. At least for me, anyway. Yeah, yeah I would say so. about the same thing here. So yeah, I mean, if you've got it and you haven't played it, or if you managed to pick it up somewhere, because you can't get it on Steam anymore. Oh, uh, uh, American Nightmare is still on Steam. Oh, it is? Yeah, okay. it was just the first game. The second game, they were just bundling in or selling it as well, because they you know, they were getting a lot of attention for the original Alan Wake going off Steam, because you know, uh, music, music licenses are still in the Stone Age. <laughs> yep. Um, but if you... It, let's see, how much is it? Alan Wake American Nightmare. It's it's two bucks. The game is just two. Oh wait, no, never mind. It's on sale right now. It's part of the. Yeah, it, well, it's it's Halloween, so it, of course it's going to be on sale. Right. I mean, it, this game is worth two bucks. It, it, Pick it up worth, for two it, bucks. It's worth a cheap burger. 
yeah, you know, pick it up, find a, a lazy Saturday or Sunday afternoon, yeah, it, yeah, play through it. Go through it in, uh, I would say, three to four hours originally, uh, going through all the manuscript pages. Uh, I got through it in two and some change, but that was me just, you know, uh, replaying it, not doing the manuscript, just playing through the game itself. Yeah, it took me about five hours, um, but I'm I'm much slower. Um, well, I also do what like, was going I, on. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on. I was watching all of the TV episodes, listening to all the radio stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I did listen to I, some I, of the radio stuff. I went through some of the manuscript pages, but like I said, I went and just watched a YouTube video of all of them later because I didn't want to explore to find them all. Um, but you could probably do it in on your first run through four hours pretty easily. Um, I'm just I'm just a slow player in general, so that's it. It always takes me a little bit longer to beat stuff than what other people say. Mm-hmm. So you probably do it in four hours, and yeah, it's definitely worth two bucks in four hours of your of your time. It's it's not perfect. Don't expect like oh my god, this is amazing. Don't expect the first Alan Wake. Yeah, but it but, is definitely and, fun. Uh, since we're kind of winding down, we should talk the ending. Okay. Oh. Uh, do you think he came out on the TV? I think he may have. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think he did. But, uh, either that or, you know, that's Barry waking up. Because the end of the game, it goes through the credits, and uh, it cuts to uh, Barry. Uh, actually, I think he fell off the bed at some point. <laughs> yeah, I think he fell off the bed and woke up. Yeah. And uh, as it uh, fades to black, you hear him say, Alan? Yeah, and the fact that I, it was on his TV, he either uh, was li- you know hearing it in his sleep, and he woke up and you know from like a dream, which I don't think this was Barry dreaming. No, I don't think so. Because honestly, if it was Barry dreaming, it would have been a lot weirder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there would have been a lot more tits. Yeah, <laughs> no, I I think he came out of the TV because the TV was playing, and then it just goes to static. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it looks like Barry's falling out of bed, and then it cuts to black, and he's like, Alan? So I, I think that he did come out of the TV. Yeah. I do like that they bookcase it with Barry, because I think they realize that Barry carried that game a lot. And if we get Alan Wick 2, I hope Barry, it starts with him. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like that character. It's kind of weird that I like that character so much, because I usually don't like the annoying ones. <laughs> I mean, I hated Claptrap. Right. I wanted to push him downstairs. I mean, I have a, a small affection for Claptrap, so, you know, I am uh, I was all about Barry. Yeah, but uh, I, I, uh, mine was a little different than yours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, admittedly. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, that's... That's that, I I suppose. I'm just trying to think if I have anything else to say or talk about. Uh, I think that is about it, and we covered that a lot more in depth than I thought we would. Yeah, I yeah, I don't I don't think I have anything else to add right now. I don't know if I think of something, I'll put it on Twitter or bring it up next week. Uh, American uh, Nightmare Two, like like. Oh wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, did you play the, like, score attack mode or whatever uh, no, it I is? Didn't. I didn't either. Okay, I, never mind. I, I didn't have it really any interest in it because, honestly, uh, the combat in the game, it's more fluid, but it's not very deep. It's still the, yeah, the same, you know, shine flashlight, then shoot. 
and I had no interest in it. Right. Okay. I mean, if, I mean, if you're an achievement hunter, it's there for you. But if you're an achievement hunter, there's other games to do that you'll, will give you a lot more achievements a lot quicker. Yeah. Okay, so we both liked it. Not as good as we were hoping, but certainly not a bad game. Uh, yeah, and you, it can't say, like we both... you can't say uh, hoping for me because I knew what I was getting into. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So not as good as I hoped, but certainly not a bad game. We both recommend it with like a certain caveat. Um, and that's how we feel about it. That's all we got to say nightmare. about that. Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, well, with that through, then what game are we going to be playing for next month's oh, Game Club, Rage? Yeah, this is one that I just happened to find on sale. <laughs> because Yeah. Uh, we were going through this yesterday, uh, and I decided to see, eh, what's on sale? Because, you know, sometimes something interesting pops up, and boy, did I find something. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy. So Rebel I've been wanting to Galaxy. play... Yeah, specifically, I'd been wanting to play a strategy game, but I was down for anything space. And um, this game was on sale and it, like pushes all of my buttons for like, ooh, this is a space game you should buy. So I bought it and like really quickly, like you stepped away before we started to record. So I opened it up out of just like sheer curiosity. And the opening to this game made me smile and giggle so hard. Yeah, I came back and I just heard you me. laughing. It's like, what did you do? <laughs> so you open it up and you're like, yeah, this is perfect for uh-huh. you. I understand. And then we talked about it for a few minutes, and we decided to do it for game yeah, club, I gave as it long a, as there yeah, were no Yeah, I gave problems. it a quick test. I put about <laughs> an hour and a half into it. Well, according to Steam, I'm at 1.9 hours. <laughs> uh, uh, just to see how it does, and I think it's going to be an interesting one. Yep, I agree. It's a, a sandbox RPG uh, set in space. Yep, which means lots of mining and trading for moolah. Yeah, well... And, you know, some main story stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually not sure how long this game is. That's probably something we should have tested. Uh, for me, 100 hours. Yeah, and then you start the main story. And then I'll start the main story, yeah. <laughs> uh, I would imagine it's like 20 or 25 yeah, hours. About. Most of the games in this genre are... Yeah, I just did a quick search. It looks like they're saying about 20-ish hours, which sounds about right for this genre. But it's on the cheap, and even when it's done on sale, it's in the 20 buck range, so it's not that expensive. Yeah. it was. It's on sale for, what, like five bucks? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, impulse buy range. Yep, and I sure done did impulse buy that. Yeah, well, I don't want to go too much in depth on it yet. But I will say my first impressions is Wandered Freelancer. Excellent. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in for that. But uh, yeah, we'll have to check it out. Or I'll have to check it out some more. I'm thinking about just like recording all of my gameplay footage from playing for Game Club. No commentary or anything like that. Just recording it to post on YouTube. Just so that people can go see it if they want and know what where I got my impressions from. Hmm, possibly. But we'll see. I'll probably like do it once or twice and then forget <laughs> and then remember that I forgot and then never do it again. Yeah, so they'll get the first like hour of you just shooting an asteroid. <laughs> yep. 
Also, yeah, just shooting asteroids. Maybe not the most applicable <laughs> for that, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, uh, and here comes the exciting part where he goes to another asteroid. Ooh, this asteroid's betting on the other axis. Fancy. Will this one contain a rare mineral? Tune in at six. And here we are on our nine of the uh, miningathon. <laughs> We've gotten three rare minerals at this point. <laughs> Indeed. That's pretty good. That's uh, like a 1% drop rate. It's better than those loot crates. Am I right? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Eh? Well, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, assuming that, that we get to that, that on the docket now. <laughs> yeah. Um. Did we, did we even put that on the dock? Uh, I, I, hell if I know. We're... Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to our first news topic of the week. Then, if you are ready, I think so. Okie dokie. The games industry says single-player games aren't going anywhere. This is sort of an amalgamation of a couple of topics yeah. that we've seen pop up this week. Um, uh, what with EA canning or killing Visceral yeah. and yeah. basically saying we're not going to do single-player because it doesn't make us enough money. I'm hardcore paraphrasing yeah, that, but that's yeah, basically, yeah, basically what, they, what they were talking about was that uh, they were taking the single-player Star Wars that Visceral is working on, and they... Wanted to rework it into a game that essentially generates more income over a long period of time. Which, yeah. Yeah. There have been a, a lot of people, or well, not a lot, but several articles and several people that have popped up and have been uh, ringing the death bells for single player mode, or for single player games. Um, and there were several industry people that have come out and said, no, that's not the case. Um, and I, I agree with that. I think that we're entering a time where single player is going to become um secondary maybe is the wrong word but it's not going to be like the top priority for a lot of games yeah which is we're gonna disappointing see... as somebody that plays primarily either single player or co- well i do play some co-op but i usually play late at night and in my time zone that makes for bad matchmaking yeah um but i, I think i agree with these developers um we're going to see a time where the single-player games are a little bit less prominent, and I think we're going to see the indie scene pick up single-player a lot more. Although, I mean, the indie scene has a lot of single-player games. Yeah, but... well, well, it's kind of the opposite for this uh, for the indie scene, is that if you're a multiplayer-only game, unless you're one of the more large indie games, or you suddenly get uh, some sort of rare hit, multiplayer is you know, either dead on a raffle, or you have to bring your own party. <laughs> Because they're, yeah. usually the matchmaking gets maybe 100, 200 people at the beginning, and then it just drops off right off a cliff. Yeah. So. Which is really disappointing for me, because, yes, single-player indie games are the focus, and yes, they are really good, or can be, but they're still... I still want those more hot and single player games to come out. And it does sound like we're not going to get them. <laughs> or if, if we yeah. get them, they're going to be saddled with loot boxes. They're going to be saddled with microtransactions. They're going to be saddled with horse armor. Yeah. Right now, as far as I know, Bethesda is the only publisher slash developer that are putting out single player games that don't have any of that crap in it. Um, creation like, club. Um, well, I'm talking about Wolfenstein, 
Uh, give um, them time. And, and you can't say Bethesda because they're the publisher. They're not the developer in this case. No, but I mean, that I'm just like saying, um, that they have published games. And I mean, the publishers are the ones true, who true. tend to they, force they, yeah. that shit in more than the developers do. Yeah. It makes me wonder what's going to happen to Bethesda published games in a couple of years. And I do not see a happy place for that. But then again, um, yeah, I, I tend to see the worst in publishers, particularly when they've already sold their first party stuff with this shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I, I've got a huge backlog, and this isn't going to yeah. affect me quite as much because I've got a ton of single player games I've meant to get to. Over, you know, and just, I'll just ride it out. Yeah, but my big concern um, is what it's going to do to the industry, you know, over a couple of years. Because we're just starting to get to the point where we're seeing a lot of loot crates. We're seeing all the, uh, these monetization themes, uh, schemes, I should say, going into the single player's uh, side of gaming after just, yeah, you know, being just lousy on the multiplayer side of things. And how I think, and how much uh, the single player can survive on this, and how much it's going to drop people off. I think this games of, as service deal is going to implode on itself. You're going to have a few. I, we'll probably have three, maybe four of these games that really can last um, and make this model work. But the the games of service massive long running series thing can't. I mean, there's only so many gamers. There's only so many consumers going there's around. There's only so it's many the same sort of thing. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing. It's why you only have several major networks and things like that. I mean, we have, when it comes to streaming, there's Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. And if it wasn't for the fact that Amazon Prime was propped up by um, it's the other part of its business, the, the Amazon Prime streaming service would, wouldn't exist either. And you'd have basically Netflix and Hulu. All of these other streaming services for video... Uh, who have tried to carve out sort of this big general market have all failed. Well, they're also um, saddled some stuff with in the uh, niche trying market. to make deals with the content creators in this case. Yeah, right. And that's yeah, that's a whole nother kettle of chips. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of stuff uh, leaving Netflix because deals are running out. So it, right. it may not be the best of examples. <laughs> no, but it's the closest one that we have, and I think that it's. I mean, if you take a look even at genre-specific things like MOBAs or uh, arena uh, yeah, shooters... Well, well, let's uh, pick a genre almost at random. The uh, hero shooter. Yeah. I mean, we've seen how many hero shooters uh, fail recently. Hell, uh, Digital Extremes, the Warframe developers, announced uh, a week or two ago that they canceled their hero shooter that they were working on and rolled their development team back into the main game for Warframe. And uh, did refunds for everyone that uh, pre-ordered it, which, yeah, first of all, don't pre-order shit, especially when it's this early in development, but that's beside the point. Right. It it, it shows a uh, kind of a wake-up call for this genre that there's a, an oversaturation. Right. And I mean, even if there are more than like three of these, three or four of these games of service thing, everyone's trying to put their hands in the pie right now. And you're going to get, I mean, that's just going to cause market implosion. You're going to have too much uh, supply and not enough demand. 
And the companies that can eat it, that can absorb it, will be the ones who either stick it out or say, you know what, this isn't for us. We're just going to take this as a loss and go do something well, else. Well, and all the other companies, not necessarily that they'll go bankrupt or fail, but they'll have to scale back if they want to stay in business because this shit's expensive. I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars to build these games and hundreds of millions of do- dollars to market these games. Like the the rumor a few years ago was that Destiny cost like um, half a billion dollars to develop and then market. So what irritates me most about all this is that this is a lesson we've seen at least three or four times I could think of off the top of my head. How about when everything was an MMO? How about when everything was a fucking MOBA? How about before that when everything was a real-time strategy game? How about before that when everything was fucking World War Two? The games industry constantly is following the tail of the latest trend, and we're going to see it again with Battle Royale. The games industry is not fucking learning. Well, most major industries have this sort of cycle, there, but the a, thing with games there, is a that cycle, it's but very it, rapid. It's very rapid, but also the uh, the time to produce these things just takes so long that by the time that the end of the uh, tide comes in, the next one is already starting. Interestingly enough, probably the industry that's closest to the game industry in this is fashion. You, I mean, you see fashion trends every year. Hell, every season you see this happening. And I know a couple of people who have worked in the fashion industry as, um, you know, working in these fashion design companies oh, that, that was actually la- make clothes that, for that runway That was last models. season's uh, uh, dress. That, that's just a rag now. Yeah. And some of that shit is crazy and the demands that they have to meet and things like that. That's probably the best comparison that we have, like, in terms of, like, industry standard and – um you know, how rapidly things shift in the industry. Well, I think I agree with Ben in Black 3 that uh, the fashion industry is ran by aliens. <laughs> it's the only ben thing in Black that ma- 3, surprisingly it, a decent it, movie. It's the only thing that makes sense. The only thing that makes yeah. sense about the fashion industry. It's all aliens. Either that or it's people intentionally trying to fuck with everyone. And, and the fashion industry is too, uh, has the lack of self-awareness to understand, you know, someone dressing in a sandwich board uh, that's printed as a, a suit is someone fucking with me. And, and I've literally <laughs> seen that where it's, it, you know what a sandwich board is, you know, the front and back uh, yeah. sign. I've seen that printed as a suit with a guy in his underwear underneath. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? That's fashion? Yeah, I don't understand fashion. It's all aliens. I don't, definitely. But, I'm not saying aliens, yeah. but aliens. Yeah, so, I mean, this is, we'll see how this goes. I think we're going to spend another couple of years chasing this before we really figure out exactly how it's going to go and what's going to happen. But I'm, if I would be willing to bet money on the fact that within the next couple of years, we're going to see a bunch of developers and or publishers going, yeah, this whole games of service thing isn't working out. We're not making any money. Or, We're not hitting our target or, goals. Or the other thing. Well, well, if it's, uh, if it's Squaresoft, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, they're never hitting their goals. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm going to, s- there's a limit, I think, on just the amount of whales that they can pull in. And there was actually an interview of, uh, 
that I didn't put on the docket of of an interview of a whale. And he was talking about how he put $20,000 over the course of five years into games. And I I just looked at the number and was just flabbergasted that he didn't think that was that a lot, that, that much money. He was a DJ. Yeah. I've spent maybe $20,000 over the course of my life on everything I've ever bought gaming related. I don't think I'm anywhere even close to that, but then again, I'm st- well, possibly. It's It really depends on how you break down my Steam account, because there's a lot of review copies in there now. I mean, I'm talking 20 years yeah. of purchasing games and consoles and PC stuff. Like, I'm lumping everything I've ever bought that was ever used for yeah, games into one category. Yeah, I would have to category. really sit down and think about that one. <laughs> yeah, but... It's just, uh, it's, I think it really depends of when we see a focus on single player again is when they find a monetization scheme that works, that doesn't piss everyone off because that's going to be the real kicker because multiplayer has that long tail of all the microtransactions, all the DLC, all the skins, all the cosmetics. And there's not a lot of places you can put that into single player without pissing people off. Or I should say pissing off the vocal minority. Yeah. Because the general public doesn't care that much. They just bend over and say, please, give me. Well, I mean, the general public only buys a couple of games a year. And that's just, that's the game that they play. It's like, I don't play video games. I play Call of Duty. Or I play... Battlefront or battle, you know, whatever. And so that matters less to them than it does to you or I mm-hmm. or other enthusiasts or hobbyists, however you want to say it, because we buy lots of games and are in tune with the industry trends. So we're fashionable. <laughs> we're fashionable at something. I would say the companies that are going to make figure out how to make this work are going to be Activision, EA, Bethesda. And probably Ubisoft. Assuming Ubisoft sticks around. Yeah. Remember, they've been fighting off that uh, cancer buyout for, what, years now? Yeah. But I'd say that those are your companies that have got... uh, Blizzard? Blizzard, maybe. Uh, Blizzard has has this almost captive audience. Uh, Yeah. I I think Nintendo, once they catch up to the trend, because Nintendo's always about five years behind the industry trends. Yeah, yeah, Nintendo would, but they also have sort of a captive audience. I yeah, mean, well, well that was about Nintendo to say. Games. Yeah, Nintendo has this cult of personality about it. It's it's strange to look at it from the outside nowadays. Yeah, but I'd say that those are your companies that are that are going to be able to pull it off. There's going to be a bunch of companies that do it, and those are going to be your success stories. And they're going to have a game in a genre that fits that games as service thing. And they're going to hold down the market in that genre. And if anybody's going to figure out how to do it with a single player game, it's going to be fucking Bethesda. I think they're already working on it with the Creation Club. Oh, I'm sure they are. uh, The the, the Creation Club has put me off of really any, especially any first party Bethesda game going forward. Yeah, probably until the next Elders. I mean... (sighs) If I'm going to break any of my rules about anything, it's going to be for the next Elder Scrolls game. Well, considering how I've hated the Elder Scrolls series more and more uh, on each iteration that I've played, 
I'm not even sure I'm going to bother with the next Elder Scrolls game at this point unless they do something very, very different. Yeah. Because uh, the first Elder Scrolls I played was Morrowind, and it was unlike anything else I played. I- I'm not just talking yeah, 3D. I'm talking about theme. I'm talking about uh, just the world building in general. Then they went to almost cookie-cutter fantasy, you know, random... Uh, couple square kilometers out of England with uh, Oblivion. And, uh, okay, Skyrim was different, <laughs> but it still felt like it was the same fantasy trips, only this time it had the Norse to be, feel with it, with the Nords. And that was about it. And it felt like they removed a lot of depth to make it a lot more accessible, which really put me off. That and the fact that they uh, yeah, expect you to run mod after mod after mod to fix fundamental things in the fucking game and to bug uh, all the third party bug fix patches that you had to run to fix that fucking game. I, sorry, I don't find the fact that all the dragons flying backwards are endearing. Yeah, I'm just going to bend over and let them fuck me in the ass uh, for, uh, for Elder well, Scrolls. Well, we know you're a man whore anyway. I. If there's any, yeah, if there's any game that's going to make me break any rule I've set in the last few years, it would be the Elder Scrolls game. Yeah, which they're not even working on, according to them. But no. then again, which yeah, is fine. But then again, well, there was a Jim Quisition talking about how the game industry is built on lies. I mean, just yeah. outright lies. So we don't even know if they're telling the truth because, yeah, the game industry lies. Yeah, when it comes to that, I, I mean, I'd say that they're working on it. Maybe not like heavily in active development. Probably just, story, I, story concepts, that sort of thing. But I mean, they have like Skyrim working on everything, except like I don't know my fridge. So they're probably working on that actively right now to sell fridge copies of Skyrim, and then they'll get back to that. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them from a business to perspective. Be able to play it. <laughs> Fusroda. Fridge! And the fridge goes flat across the kitchen. From a business perspective, I don't blame them. I mean, that game basically just prints and shits money for them. So why not put it on things to continue to make more money? But, I mean, I that's got to... It's got to be hampering development of other games that they have. Which is frustrating. Mm-hmm. Well, like, eventually... I, I hope... You know, how it, much money is enough money? Well, there's still money in my bank accounts. So obviously not enough. Yeah, there's still there's still money in the world that they don't have. So, yeah, I wonder if they're trying to build a new engine. But then again, I remember Bethesda; they're not going to build a new fucking engine. Yeah, it's about it's about time. They're on like a five or a six year cycle. I think that the engine for Fallout Four was a modified version of the Skyrim engine, which was <laughs> a modified version of the Oblivion five, engine. <laughs> five or six years at that point. So it's about time for them to make a new engine. That one's stretched to its limits with the way technology has just changed, yeah. you know? I don't know. I mean, I'm not, like, holding out hope that it's going to be at E3 next year or whatever, but just the next Elder Scrolls game is probably going to... Yeah, I'm probably going to break a bunch of rules for that one. Yeah. Oh, you're just going spanking Tom. Love me some Elder Scrolls. I mean, we've talked at length about how, you know, both of us, about how much we adored Morrowind and Oblivion. And then, you know, you and I differ greatly on Skyrim. 
but There's I adored Skyrim. There's far too many little things that took me out of that game. That and the fact that I didn't even realize I beat the game. The, the story was that lackluster. It was, uh, you know, I was like, okay, where's the next? Oh, uh, beat the- that was it? How do we wind up talking about this again? We have gotten so far off the beaten path of our original <laughs> news topic. Uh, because we started talking about the only uh, 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 the devs that may be able to try to monetize single player. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm ready to shift gears to something else. Okay, well. Uh, how about uh, something that obviously didn't work? <laughs> Yep, Microsoft has officially stopped manufacturing the Kinect. Uh, what's on store shelves, and if there's any in storage somewhere, is all that's left. Yeah, which, uh, if they're still on store shelves, well, they're going to be there for a while. I'm I'm probably going to buy one, another one, Paying and just storage. have it as a backup. Just just put it in storage and just have it for in case mine dies. I, I will say that the, I, the Kinect is an interesting piece of technology, and it's a... Uh, Actually, somewhat impressive amount of technology they crammed into it. It's just game yeah. developers had no idea what to do with it. They never yeah, as a did. device outside as of, a device for playing games, it's terrible. Yeah, outside of dancing games or exercise games, I've never heard of anyone praising Connect Control. <laughs> yeah, the Connect was no good for playing there, games. Wasn't there? But a, for everything else, it's awesome. Wasn't there a, a Steel Battalion game that they tried to do a bunch of virtual controls and it just didn't work? Yeah, it just yeah, it was and terrible. The original Steel Battalion had this massive you know murder somebody controller with what was yeah. it like sixty buttons on it? Yeah, it was like a two hundred dollar controller. I I want one. <laughs> I do too. They're probably more than two hundred bucks. Yeah, now. probably. Uh, but uh, third party software would be able to uh, customize things on it. Oh, that would be fun. Great, no idea what I'd play with it outside of, you know, get back into Mech Warrior. <laughs> Let's see. Steel Battalion controller. Holy mother of God. 650 bucks for the controller, and it comes with Steel Battalion. The game. Oh, well, of course. We'll just throw that in for you. Just throw that in. God, 650 bucks. It it looks awesome though. Looking at this, I'm like, yeah, I'll give you six six hundred fifty bucks for that. <laughs> yeah, well, it was quite the impressive controller, but the Connect version just didn't work. It, it, I think it's the same problem that they had that Nintendo had with most controls. Yes, their first party development was able to do at least some interesting things with most controls, but third party development for the Wii and the Wii U. Had no idea what to do with the uh, the Wii mode or the tablet, so they just you know kind of just tied things into it and never really worked all that well. Outside also, of some, Steel Battalion outside of some key exceptions, of course. Yeah. Also, Steel Battalion was for the first Connect that was on Xbox 360, which didn't have as much processing power of running it, and also it was it struggled with fine movements. Like you do a dance game, you move your body and your arms and stuff. It did pretty good. Yeah, and when you stop, but moving, Steel you Battalion. Keep but with Steel Battalion, I mean, you had, like, there were a bunch of different positions, you know, like and different things you could do with your hand. And if the camera wasn't, you know, doing well that day, it just didn't work. Also, wasn't um, uh, Microsoft, uh, 
uh, one of the outrage things I saw uh, uh, when the Xbox One came out was there was criticism of Microsoft for being racist because the Kinect wasn't working properly for black people. <laughs> if, if, if memory That's starts right, it probably just struggled <clears throat> to see them, dude. Although I don't know why they didn't use infrared or something like that because the Xbox well, One Connect can see an infrared. Uh, it has night. Well, well supposedly, if, if memory serves, it was a uh, very dark skinned uh, people were. Uh, it was tough for them to see uh, uh, with the camera. And then, of course, there was people uh, jumping on that saying Microsoft is racist because they hate black people. No, it's just the technology don't work for that particular skin tone because they probably. Didn't they detest it? Yeah, the, the technology didn't work, or just somebody made a mistake with the programming. It's fine. But no, I'm I'm gonna miss. I mean, I love the Connect. I'm still gonna use my Connect. But you're weird. It, it's I I mean, it's not good for gaming, as we've said. It's not it's not very good, except for a certain very specific couple of games. But for everything else, it's awesome. Well, like just using it on the console. The camera has got a great. Um, great resolution we use it for skyping my in-laws and my parents all the time um every week um, well, what's really it, the voice commands are was uh, the connect was used a lot by robotics uh people yeah well that's because the connect has got like not a million but quite a few different sensors inside of it and it can recognize different inputs and can be it's got uh not open source code but i mean it's like available like for you to hack it and change it around and make it for your own purposes and tons of different software development companies and things like that, like robotics. And there's been some medical companies that have, have done stuff with it. Uh, there've been car manufacturers that did it. I think it was last year that Audi had a thing and they were using the connect to scan, um, environments and then create, um, spaces for you to like VR test drive cars in. The Connect the has got a lot of really useful and good stuff in it, but just it was never properly used for gaming. People just couldn't it's figure out what to do with it. It should have probably not been made for gaming first. It should have been more of a tech thing. Yeah. I mean, the system that it used for voice recognition was copied by Apple for Siri. What, you're, um, you're, you're saying Apple has a history of stealing uh, technology? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, although you're honestly, saying that, Microsoft does you're too. You're saying that they would Xerox their technology? Hi eh, eh, eh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for but, those who um, don't uh, get it, uh, 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 what was it? The Pirates of uh, Silicon Valley? Pirates of Silicon Valley, yep. Yeah, go watch that movie. It's fairly interesting. Early Microsoft and early Apple. Yeah. It's, a, it's also a fun movie, too. It's good dramatization of real events. But uh, anyways... Yeah, Apple uh, basically stole the voice recognition system to create Siri. Uh, Microsoft used that to develop Cortana, which is actually really useful when you use it as like a personal assistant on your phone. Cortana is annoying as fuck on my PC, but that's because I just want to type everything. Although there is this interesting trend, or I guess it's not trend, it's just how technology goes. Kids, because I mean, I work with a lot of kids, whenever they want to do something on their phone, kids below like... I don't know, 13, don't type anything on their phone. They just use voice commands for everything. I'm like, but it would be faster to type it. But that's but a baby's a few, toy. But honestly, in a few years, it probably won't be because voice recognition technology just gets better and better all the time. I mean, I use OK Google for all kinds of stuff on my phone. No, 
No phone. <laughs> it's listening. <laughs> I didn't think that one through very well. It popped up. Thankfully, it's on silent. Otherwise, it went. Beep, beep. What? <laughs> well, wasn't there a? Uh, it's been. There's been several articles about how, whenever the there's a, uh, shoot down blank on Amazon's uh, uh, smart speaker, the Echo. The yeah, Amazon uh, uh, Echo. People, and people, Alexa. Uh, uh, people would say, uh, you know, uh, something on the TV, you know, in the uh, uh, in the show, and. Like lights will turn off whenever they were doing. We're getting in this weird air connected space, and I don't think the technology is quite there to be able to ignore the proper things. Well, Google the for 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 O K Google. <laughs> it trains to you train it to your voice. So, um, you know, one of my kids that I see or Katie or somebody can say that, and it won't do anything, and then I say it, and it'll pop up. Instantly, <laughs> um, and you can you can train you can train Google with different profiles too if you want to, um, and they they've been advertising that pretty heavily here recently with whatever their home device is, um, I forget what it is, but you know their competitor for the Echo, and they advertise like yeah you you can train it with different voice profiles so that it knows and can recognize and like one of the things is like the dude asks for a playlist and then his wife asks for a playlist that's the exact same name, and it's like oh yeah it recognizes who's who. So I mean we're we're getting there, we're getting there. Yeah, before long, uh, uh, people will be following each other with tape recorders to try to steal identities. <laughs> you know, you say that kind of jokingly, no, no, not, but I, I wouldn't I'm, be surprised. I'm, uh, saying it in jest, but also seriously. Well, the, uh, there was an Amazon thing, and yes, we're off the beaten track once again. Who? Uh, yeah, big uh, deal on that point. Uh, Amazon is trying to do this smart lock thing. Have you seen this? Uh, I don't think where so. They sell a package uh, for two hundred dollars or something, and uh, it's made so that they could allow access to your home for deliveries. Yep, yep, I've seen that. Scary and as I'm hell. saying, fuck <laughs> that. I don't want that. Well, uh, uh, was it Google or uh, there was another company that was doing uh, food deliveries where they can let people into your house and stock your fridge <laughs> directly? Yeah. I don't want that. I mean, that's a little too much. A big part of that for me, though, is I just don't want strangers in my house. Like, the the trust part of, like, I trust this person to come in is secondary to, I just don't want any fucking strangers in my yeah. house. Yeah, yeah but the trust because there it too. involves them to get on my fucking lawn. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, that's... Interesting. I, I've seen some people that are like, yeah, that sounds great. And I'm going, no. No, thank and, and you. And I'm more thinking also, well, imagine down the road when this uh, database gets hacked. Yeah. Or or worse, it gets sold. Oh, well, well I, I was going more of the, uh, yeah, not quite the malicious part on the company. But then you also get into the thing where someone on the inside could you know, steal a key. And usually these type of systems are pretty secure, but you never know if there's some sort of backdoor. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, there's also the side effect of, okay, there's a smart lock and the government gives uh, Amazon a warrant. Yeah. Yeah, nothing is... 
Yep, not going there. There's already <laughs> way too much of my data out there on the internet because it's on the internet. Uh, I have with, no along illusions with all the that. Yeah, I have no illusions about how much data has <laughs> been collected on me. I, I mean, I try and limit it as much as I can nowadays, but it's too late. Yeah. I know it's too late. Well, it, well, that's the thing is that even if you limit it, you know, a company gets hacked that you have no control over, and all your data's out there anyway. Yeah. All right, we are way off topic. But I think it's a good show when we're uh, you know, this far off topic and my voice is uh, completely out because that means you're talking as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's. I'm looking at the yeah, time. I do need to step away for just a moment. Okay, that's fine. We'll take a second break in the show because I could. I down that coffee so I could use another <laughs> break too. <laughs> Anyways, on to our next news topic. Uh, after cutting a couple for time purposes, yeah, it turns out CCP, we are more long-winded than we would uh, than we thought. Indeed, CCP exits the VR business. Um, CCP being the developers of Eve Online, Eve Valkyrie. What was it? Squad? Was it their something? dust that thing that they did a long? Time. Yeah, that was it. Uh, dust. It was a dust. That was their it, first person it, it was a long number on uh, PlayStation Three, I believe, and. I just don't really remember anything about it because, for one, it's a first-person shooter on a console, and yo, know, that's pretty much, uh, yeah, uh, anti-attention for me. <laughs> it was kind of like Planet Side, um, with persistent areas existing on these planets, and it connected into the Eve Online Wasn't universe. Like you to? Could Didn't get... they uh, never really implement it as much as they were supposed to? No, it was supposed to be able to, like, the EVE players could come and, like, actively bombard things and actually affect it a lot more. As it worked out, it just affected the politics in the EVE universe. There, There's, like, a sector control mechanism in EVE where the corporations can control sectors of space, and the dust gameplay affected the sector control. Oh, but that would um, never and then. And then also EVE players could support the dust players by being, bringing, like, supplies and stuff and dropping them off on the planet um, and then building bases and stuff. But the EVE online players couldn't directly in the middle of like a match, for example, come and bombard the planet, which was like one of the things that they initially promised, Yeah, which honestly sounds a lot more interesting than what happened. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. So they, they're no longer making VR games, which they had EVE Valkyrie and Gunjack as two of like the premier VR titles you could get. And they released alongside the uh, Oculus. Yeah, part of me uh, thinks that this is uh, showing a lot of problems with VR. Because I, I, I looked, I've tried to find a list of top-selling VR games, and I just cannot find really any sales numbers for VR games. The headsets, sure, but not the games themselves. And, you know, if you don't have the software, you the hardware is kind of meaningless, at least to me. Yeah, and I think this really well, shows I mean, you know, a lack of confidence in the future of VR, at least for the time being. Well, I mean, something that we said going back a couple of years when we first started having this discussion is that VR is great, but not for most gaming, especially as the technology exists today. Mm-hmm. 
I love using, I mean, I still regularly use my uh, Samsung Gear VR, but not to play games. It, you know, I do it to have a massive home cinema or check out some interesting stuff I've seen online. Um, I, it's just not great for games. I can think of a couple of games where I'd really like to have a VR headset, but I'm not going to drop, you know, six, seven, eight hundred well, bucks. Uh, didn't, uh, was it Oculus that just get, did a permanent price cut? Or was it the Rift? Uh, it was one of the, it was one of the two big players. Uh, just did a permanent price cut down to six hundred. You know, only six hundred dollars. That would be five. All right, Vive. Because the Vive was originally, I think, eight hundred bucks, and Oculus was, I think, six hundred to start. Yeah, there. Although Oculus has had a couple of price cuts too. Yeah, there's. I think the main problem just is that. It's not comfortable to wear for a long period of time, so it really makes it so that a lot of the games for it are experiences, which to someone on the outside that isn't quite sold on the non-gimmicky nature of VR, and I can almost hear that letter being typed, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it makes it everything feel like a tech demo. And that's a real problem if you're trying to sell me a $600 piece of hardware. Yeah. I mean, VR is coming along in a lot of areas. Yes, it is coming along. But the thing but... is that everything still feels like it's either a feature on a fo- on another game that I could play a lot easier with mouse and keyboard and a monitor. Or it's a tech demo. There's no in-between. <laughs> There's only been a couple things that even uh, looked kind of neat that's like, oh, well, that's on VR. Well, oh, well. And they still are not, yeah, system sellers to me. There's uh, There was a couple uh, tower defense games that looked kind of neat where you look down on the field. But that's, yeah, it's still, it's not adding that much. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not whole, like, I'm not disagreeing with you on the game front. Um, but just in other areas same, is where the technology is developing a lot more. We're running into the same problem that we had with the Connect. It's interesting hardware. It's very cool. But game developers just haven't figured out a way to really make use of it. And the only way that they've been able to do it is with the gimmicky things like yeah, teleporting instead of moving. Because you know, moving around in VR has this... Uh, weird interaction with your inner ear where your eyes are saying, hey, we're moving boss, and the ears are saying, nope. Well, time to throw up. Because obviously we're poisoned. Yay. Yay, throw up. Sorry. Uh, well, that's uh, that's the reason why you get uh, motion sickness is that the body thinks that, okay, well, there's a disagreement between the eyes and the inner ear. Obviously we've been poisoned. Time to upchuck. Right. Um, I mean, I, I think I, I've always said this, I've, I've always said, I don't think that VR is going to ever become a super big mainstream gaming thing. It will have, it will carve out its niche. And I think it already has like for people who want to do flight sim and car yeah. racing, that sort of thing. There is no better way to experience that than yeah, VR has replaced hands down. a lot of the huge rigs that you see on some of the flight sim and, uh, racing sim enthusiast and the only thing you really need is a good steering wheel or a good flight yoke and a headset now instead of a dedicated rig of you know, uh, you know half a dozen monitors 
uh, you know, to get that full surround, and it's a lot more realistic. Assuming that you have the hardware to, you know, to power it, because you know, VR takes a lot more oomph. Right. Um, it. I don't think we'll ever see massive mainstream VR. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Uh, I think it'll carve out its niche. Um, I think what we're going to see VR continue to develop is on the business side and in other applications, like buying, I don't know, a $200 standalone VR headset for a home theater experience for people who live in small apartments in cities. Yeah, that could work. Or stuff like that. Like, I think that's where you're going to see the VR market shift in the next five years or so, and then business applications in the next five to ten. Um, I mean, Facebook with their... What like all the VR stuff that they've been pushing over the last couple of months? Um, I think we're going to see a lot more social experiences and things like that for VR as opposed to gaming. I mean, there might be like some games involved for the VR space, but nowhere near the mainstream level of gaming. You know, they they had their chance, and I, I mean, I don't think that they will never develop games for VR, but I think that the current market and probably in the market for the next decade or so, is not ready for that. I think, well, at least in the Eastern market, where we're going to see a lot of VR is in the arcades. Mm -hmm. Because arcades in the West are either dead or they're just little tie-ins to other things. But in Japan, arcades are still massive. It's uh, kind of uh, almost amazing just how much had uh, survived. But, you know, that's a a difference in culture. So I could see VR working there easily. Yeah. VR arcades are probably the best way to experience VR gaming here in the States, too. Kyle's told a couple of stories uh, during stream Mm -hmm. night about going to a VR experience near him. Uh, Yeah, the the best VR experience. Yeah, physical. (laughs) The only problem with that is that that sort of thing is only limited to cities. And uh, the United States still has a pretty large rural population. I mean, we're shifting towards population centers and projections show us in the next couple of decades really concentrating around population centers but the u.s currently still has a really large rural and suburban population that doesn't have access to that sort of stuff are you saying i'm on the Whereas, middle of bumfuck nowhere i mean i am too i don't know maybe not bumfuck nowhere but just bumfuck yeah but that, that, i mean yeah, dayton's not exactly on the map yeah but to be fair if there was a place named Bumfuck, you'd go there for you know, uh, other experiences, not <laughs> VR. I'd go there for a different sort of good time. Yeah. Turns um, out, a uh, very aptly named town. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> but, you know, just saying that, thinking of, like, most Asian places, Japan, China, uh, Vietnam, South Korea... Those they have extremely high population densities, which means that they would. I mean, that's probably the reason that arcades and stuff have done so well over there. Still, well, that and also because of the high population density, the average household is a lot more restricted in space. So right. you're not going to see you know a lot of techno or as much technology or a lot of specialized technology. Plus, you know, why buy a console when you're going to be working, you know, 20 hours a day? Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm being a little extreme there, but, yeah, you know, there is a certain work culture in Japan, particularly, but... 
to yeah, well, I've said it before. They have a word to, that means working to death, <clears throat> literally. Yeah, I saw another article about that a couple of weeks ago. There was a lady who had done that, and the family was attempting to sue the company. It was like crazy, like um, case setting law in Japan. Because they actually were, were making successful inroads on suing the wow. company for having too many forced work hours. That's actually amazing that they're uh, getting inroads on that. Mm-hmm. Because it's been the culture for, you know, a long, long time. Indeed. Indeed it has. Um. So, yeah. Circling all the way back to the title, CCP Exits <laughs> VR Business. <laughs> Um, I mean, basically the reason they're doing this is because the audience isn't big enough and they're not making enough money. So they're circling back around to the things that do make them money, oh, which, which is their new mobile game. What was What's it called? Project Aurora or something, yeah, something like, like that? that? You know, uh, something that you should never put on your phone ever. Probably not. No. Should I space monkey it for Eve? you? <laughs> no, I'm definitely going to play it. Uh, Jared, it's time to record just one more hour. <laughs> But we're already three just, hours late on recording. I have other shit to do. Just let me do one more mining mission. One more mining mission. <laughs> um, no, what am I joking? You'll be playing it while recording. I could. It would be on my phone. But, uh, yeah. They're just going to where the money is. And as a business, I can't blame yeah, them. I can't blame them at all. It's, uh, I think this may be the harbinger of things to come, possibly, because... I, I don't see VR being that much of a moneymaker to, to support a lot of studios. Yeah, I think yeah. it's going to be an offshoot of larger studios, at least for the time being, until I think more of the tools are out there for the general uh, public. Because right now, it is still very specialized to build these things, for the most part. Yes, there is things yeah. like Unity that could do it pretty much in-engine, but those are still very hapdash, very crude builds. To see anything of any quality, it takes a lot of time. And, well, it's just not there yet to be able to put it together quickly enough to make it uh, viable as a project. For the limited sales. And also, as time goes on, there will, of course, be more headsets out there so you know the smaller projects can be more viable uh the prices will come down more because yeah it's still in sort of the pseudo early adopter phase in my opinion we haven't seen a revision of the hardware just yet i think once we start seeing that revision we're going to see the price tag on only <clears throat> the generation one uh, for lack of a better term yes i realize this isn't the first generation of vr hardware per se but yeah this style of hardware uh, to drop down uh, significantly in price to uh, I would say to more to a slightly more expensive monitor yeah something like two to three hundred dollars yeah. I think that's when we're going to see a lot more general appeal and then we'll see you know, more acceptance of these smaller uh, projects being you know, viable yeah I agree 100% technology is still just too new it's, it's i too guess i mean vr still. headsets 
Yeah, yeah, it's still too, yeah. It's still too much bleeding edge. It's all too expensive, too specialized. Requires too much faffing about on the back oh end. People just, I mean, it's the same sort of thing that, you know, that sells gaming consoles. It's, they're relatively cheap for what they do, and you can get them, you know, you don't have to worry about it. You just set it up, and it works. Mm-hmm. And that's what this sort of thing needs to, to really gain traction as a gaming platform, I think. Yeah, until we get to that point, well. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry yeah. I got distracted. I went to the Twitter, uh, to our Twitter page to make sure that there wasn't any other tweets. And Aki posted a picture of his new haircut, and he has the angry eyebrows. Nice. Well, that's an excellent non sequitur to our next topic. Yeah, makes about Player unknowns is your segues. Yeah, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds could face a ban in China. Um, I'm opening the the page. Yeah, now. well, this is well, this is a watchdog the... group. This isn't the uh, the government themselves just yet. And you know, they kind of have a point that it's not living up to socialist ideals, where you know it's survival of the fittest, trying to kill one another for some cause. <laughs> yeah. Mean, they, they, uh, you know they're they're dumbasses, but they have a point. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, half of the active player base is in China. It, it's just ridiculous the amount of uh, Chinese players that are playing this. And if they ban this, uh, well, for one, I expect a Chinese knockoff, you know, to be released in a week <laughs> because battle royale isn't that tough to build. And uh, it, it won't kill player in those battle counts. It has way too much traction for it, but it will be a severe hit to the player base. And yeah. And a part of the, part of the reason I think we're seeing a lot of Chinese players is the allure, not just of the genre, but also the crates in it, you know, that marketplace, that market, you know, Dead market. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's kind of strange just to see just how crazy player in its battlegrounds has really become, isn't it? Yeah. The interesting thing is, what would happen if there is some sort of official ban put in place and you can't play the game anymore? Uh, what would happen to player in its battlegrounds? Uh, VPNs will just uh, you know, take off like crazy. Yeah, but you won't get the entire population back. Yeah, I mean, there's something like, what, 500,000 to a million Chinese players, something like that? Well, it's funny you mention that because I'm going to a Steam Spot right now, and China has 36% of the owners of Player Nuns Battlegrounds and 44% of the players. Right, so you'd see that game drop off basically 50%. Yeah, you would see it drop from, uh, what is it, about 2 billion now, which is just absurd numbers. I, I never thought I would you know, say that number's for a non-Valve game on Steam. Uh, let's see, yep. uh, 2.2 billion uh, uh, concurrent players yesterday peak. So you would see it drop to about a, a billion and some change. 
thereabouts. Right, so it's not going to kill Player Unknown's Battlegrounds by any sense of imagination, but I mean that would be a big blow, especially if the Chinese players are much more likely to be monetizable yeah. as opposed to you know American players or European players, just because of the culture that they live in, yeah, and uh, for lack of a better term for how used to it they yeah, are. Well, uh, part of the culture uh, in uh, East Asia is for free-to-play games and uh, microtransactions. So you, you definitely uh, it would be it would be shocking to see them not be the the leading demographic for the monetization of the game for the marketplace, and the fact that you could get into the game for you know thirty bucks and then make that money back through the crates, yeah, you know, that's that has to be a huge appeal, and that has to be a huge money yeah. maker for uh, you know uh, the Chinese players. Yeah, that's that's a fair point that I didn't consider when I was speaking just a moment ago. When you were but, when you were having the words coming out of your mouth, yeah. Do you understand the words well, that are coming out of my mouth? Well, we already see kind of the uh, drop off already because uh, Player Nuns Battlegrounds peak hours is not in line with anything else on Steam. I mean, have you ever noticed uh, them uh, <coughs> drop off? Uh, uh, yeah, you know, around peak time for us when it's yeah you know, off hours for China. So I think yeah, so I think that it. would be the new peak, and you know, it would drop down to probably the five hundred thousand range off peak, which is about in line with everything else. Uh, they have uh, such a huge dro- roller coaster on everything. Yeah, it, it's just uh, player runs battlegrounds is just. I think it's going to be the game a lot of people is going to be chasing uh, in the coming uh, years. I mean, we're already seeing that, uh, to be perfectly honest. But I think it's going to be a yeah, just a lightning strike. People are going to be chasing that and bankrupting themselves trying to capture lightning. Yeah, the only place that really makes sense to try to build a player, uh, uh, build a player nuns battleground like game. Or you know, battle royale game is on consoles right now because this market is pretty much tapped. Unless you could you know, do it better, which yes, player knows battlegrounds from everything I've seen is very clunky, very rough. If you could uh, refine it, then there's possibly a spot there. But I think Fortnite's already gotten that. Yeah. Yeah, I I intended to play Fortnite again this week, and I still didn't get to it. <laughs> well, I've been trying to uh, get around to Team Fortress 2 to play their stuff, but just haven't gotten to it yet because I you know, had the game club. Yeah, uh, podcast first. Right. Podcast, podcast. We, we're going to build a wall, and we're going to keep the listeners yeah. in. <laughs> Yay. Mm. Um, okay, is there really anything else to say here outside of well there's not a lot that our players would be able to do about this because you know it's the Chinese government and they pretty much do what they want yeah it, it, I mean the great firewall of China exists for a reason yeah I mean China it is known for not allowing things into their country and then copying it and then just not responding to international law, lawsuits, that sort of thing. 
or just outright banning stuff. Yeah, I mean, it really sucks for the, the players of China for uh, that are enjoying this because, yeah, because it doesn't live up to social ideals, you know, <laughs> that they could lose a potentially fun game. I, I can't say if Player Nets Battlegrounds is a fun game or not because it's just not for me. But yeah, it seems like people enjoy it, so there's that. Yeah. So moving along, or do you have anything else? Indeed. To say? Nope, I don't have anything else to say. Moving along to our weekly community corner, we have a question of the week. We're going to go through. Yeah. And if we have any I tweets, we'll cover those. Any major tweets? Uh, so I got distracted by Aki. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of the reverse of what I usually do to his podcast. <laughs> right. Uh, but I didn't see anything major. If there is, then I probably just missed it. I, I do know that Gamist yep. uh, tweeted out his uh, list of podcasts. That was the big thing I saw. Okay. And we were uh, considered diversional... <laughs> <laughs> uh, podcast or video game discussion which seems about right diversional good word I don't know if that's actually real oh, I'm probably misremembering the word okay alright uh, so then we'll just do our question Yep. our listener submitted question which this week, in honor of our Halloween October spooky theme, our question is, what three characters would you choose to be your zombie survival team, and why? Yeah, and because I uh, just remembered zombie survival team, I picked out a couple extra characters, but they were mostly joke characters anyway, and we'll throw them in just for fun. All right. So, do you want to go first, then? Uh, we could alternate. Uh, uh, my my first thought, well, we both... We both uh, uh, enforced our own rules that lined up once again. We spent way too much time with one another. We had to play yeah. uh, the game, at least. And also, uh, my personal rule was how the characters depicted in lore and not how they're played. So, yeah. Uh, my first character, playing it isn't nearly as badass as the character he... Uh, is depicted in uh, the beat the team videos. The sniper from Team Fortress Two as my you know kind of watch out guy because he's someone that is first of all a professional. He's not a psychopath. He's not going to beat someone over the head with a golf trophy, and he's willing to sit there for hours on end on guard duty to kill someone. So he seems like yeah the perfect candidate just to set up shop and keep the zombie hordes at bay, or to at least let us know that something's coming. Okay. <clears throat> that's a uh, pretty good pick right there. And a little unorthodox. And that's probably the, yeah, of, of my serious team, the least orthodox one out, uh, out here. Okay. Uh, my first pick is Isaac Clark from Dead Space. Yeah, see, I've never played um, the Dead Space games. See, I haven't played a lot of horror games or a lot of... Uh, games that really deal with zombies all that much so i'm having to go kind of outside the box right i've i've only played the first dead space but that still counts uh so isaac clark is has experience dealing with space zombies basically i mean the necromorphs are weird mutations rather than just like zombies but 
<clears throat> I mean, essentially, they're space alien zombies. So he's got experience fighting zombies already. Plus, he's an engineer, which is a useful skill to have uh, for someone on your zombie survival team. He can fix stuff. He can build stuff. And he's handy at cutting down zombies. So, pr- pr- pretty big shoe in for my team. All right. Well, I-, I think you'll enjoy my second pick then. Grand, he's not good at slashing zombies, but he'll beat them over the head with a crowbar. Gordon Freeman. I considered Gordon Freeman for my team. Yeah. Well, that was well, good pick. Well, uh, my my first two picks immediately were Gordon Freeman, and then I thought, who do I want guarding? And then Sniper. Gordon Freeman, a theoretical physicist, so not quite as hands-on as an engineer, but he's dealt with a headcrab zombie. So, yeah, the closest thing that probably is on my list. And, you know, if there's any button pressing, that MIT uh, degree is definitely going to come in handy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Um, absolutely. He's he's very hands-on. He usually doesn't have a plan, but he's able to get the job done. And we all know that the right man in the wrong place can make all the difference. <laughs> that is true. All right, you're up. Okay, my second one is Samus um, from Metroid. Because, I mean, one, she's kick-ass and can just straight-up fuck anything up with her amazing weapon set and her suit. But also, she's got some little, some unorthodox tricks up her sleeve, like being able to uh, do the ball mm-hmm. on her suit and get into hard-to-reach places. Um, she's also got a spaceship, which could come in handy. Yeah, true. Uh, well, uh, see, I considered so, Samus, but then I imposed the rule myself that I had to play the games, and I didn't play enough Metroid to really consider it uh, yeah, viable. Right. I have played lots of, of the Metroid games. Um, pretty much all of them... Except for Other M. Which sounds like so, you didn't miss much from all the criticism I've ever heard of that game. Yeah. So, plus, she's also equally good at a fight, even if she's not in her suit. Um, so, she's she's not quite as powerful, but she's still... Like, if, if we were caught unaware and she wasn't in her suit for whatever reason, uh, she could still fight off zombies and, and do pretty good. So, yeah, that's my second all pick. All right, well, Who's my your- third... Uh, it's funny that you have a, a, a woman on your team, because I do as well. <laughs> Why is that funny? Well, uh, well, just the well, way, well, well, just the way that we're going from female to female. <laughs> okay, I gotcha. Uh, mine, Laura Croft. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Particularly the newer, uh, the newer re, uh, uh, yeah, more action-oriented Laura Croft uh, from the Tomb Raider series. Yeah, very used to survival in uh, very harsh conditions. Granted, probably not as badass as Samus, but definitely is able to take care of herself, able to improvise weapons. I think a you know, a very good pick for a zombie survival situation. And I imagine right. she's probably dealt with zombies somewhere in her adventures, or close to it. Uh, I, I can't remember if the if uh, the newer Tomb Raider games you would consider them zombies, but they were close. So I don't. Yeah, I don't remember ever ever fighting zombies. She's dinosaurs, dogs, people. I mean, she's fought about everything else, so yeah. It, 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 Pretty much, a, yeah. You know, it'd be new to her. Yeah, those would definitely be uh, transferable skills. Okay, well, 
my third pick is John Marston from the Red Dead series mm-hmm. or from Red Dead yeah, Redemption. So series I haven't played, so yeah. So he's he he's got experience fighting zombies because the the expansion for that game was like a zombie conversion that turned the whole map into it was called Undead Nightmare, and it told the, turned the whole thing into zombie survival. So he's already got good experience fighting zombies. But I picked him because he's real rugged. Um, my other two don't really have survival skills. And if we're, um, if we're out fighting zombies, eh, we're going to have to be scavenging for food. We might need to set up a, a <laughs> camp and grow some of our own. John Marston was a farmer when he wasn't out being a bandit. Uh, 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 you, you'll see, you'll see. <laughs> okay, so yeah, John Marston kind of rounds out my team. He's got zombie fighting skills, but he's also able to live off the land. So if we were in a jam and we couldn't, you know, get food or go somewhere with shelter, he'd be able to to set us up. So that's my official zombie team. I could think of a couple others right offhand well, that I'd want to well, throw I added in, so a couple, I can keep going. I added a couple joke characters. Okay, one. Meat Boy from Super Meat Boy. First of all, he's very fast and uh, he's good at platforming, so yeah, he'd be able to do supply runs really easily. And also, I'm thinking Food Source, because he's shown in-story to be able to respawn. So I'm thinking, yo, if things get tough, just bash him over the head, eat him, and he respawns. Infinite, eat Super I- infinite Meat Boy. food. Yeah. And my other one is the adoring fan from Elder Scrolls Oblivion. And hear me out on this one. Uh, A common trope of zombie uh, survival is shit goes wrong. All right? And I'm thinking decoy for the people that I want to survive to get out. And the adoring fan will be more than happy to oblige. And also, you know, if someone needs to dig a latrine, I don't want to, you know, Todd Gordon Freeman. The adoring fan could go shovel shit. (laughs) <laughs> fair enough fair enough okay so while we were talking i thought of a, a, a good one is like sort of a joke but also it would be she'd be really useful uh cooking mama from the well the the cooking uh, mama see games. we just need our groups to come together and she could cook super meat boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> originally i had like a space marine team but i was like nah i want yeah oh trust dude, me i, I, vary I, I, it up. I thought of yeah since i played space marine yeah, uh, yeah. A Warhammer 40k Space Marine versus zombies. I, I don't care how many zombies you throw. <laughs> no, Space Marine wins, but that's cheating. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna do like Master Chief and Samus yeah, I could have done Master Doom Chief guy. technically, but honestly, well, at least the Halo that I played, Master Chief, and boy, I'm gonna get wristed on this one is a fucking boring character. At least in Halo Combat Evolved. Yeah, in the original Halo series, he's pretty boring. Uh, the story happens to him, as opposed to him being a real part of it. But, yeah. I- I'm there with you. I-, I love the Halo universe. I don't think there's a bigger fan of Halo on this in our community than me. Well, but you are going to die. The Master Chief himself... <laughs> the Master Chief himself is incredibly boring in the first game. But... That doesn't matter. He's, he'd be good at killing zombies. But no, he's not part of my official team. He was one of my secondary considerations. Well, I hope you so there we have it. enjoyed my uh, you know, additional joke characters. 
No, that's good. <laughs> Super Meat Boy was really good. That's super clever, outside the box thinking. Love it. Uh, plus, even if yeah, his resurrection powers doesn't work, he's still really good at running supplies. Right. I mean, he'd be you know, several times faster than anyone on my team. Probably several times faster than the zombies, too. Yeah. Well, even if we're going the you know, kind of the cheesy runner zombies. Instead of the kind of the oppressive, uh, you know, always there threat that the shamblers have. But I th- well, my other thought for decoy was, of course, Claptrap, but then I started to really think about it, and it's like, first of all, he would annoy me far too much, and second of all, would the zombies go after a robot? Most likely not, and that kind of defeats the purpose. Fair play. Fair play. All right, well, that was fun. (laughs) Yeah, if you want to send in uh, a question for us, you can do so at bglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet it. Uh, tweet us that VGL podcast on the Twitter and I'll promise I won't get distracted by Aki's hairdo again <laughs> you need to go look at that good luck it I got, will it got a I buzz will. cut oh I think I saw that one actually yeah. yeah didn't it wasn't it like his first haircut was messed up so he just like gave himself a buzz I, cut I think so I, I just I, I I went to Twitter and there was just Aki because I, we don't follow many people on the uh, official uh Twitter account. So I went there and it's like, oh, oh, there's Aki and he has eyebrows and about it. <laughs> so, music? Uh, indeed. Indeed. What the fuck is this? I got a weird, weird, weird game right off the bat. Which I'll have to drop into this because, yeah, this is not available yet. I have no, I, it looks like it may be released as people solve riddles, some sort of ARG. Here, I'll uh, drop it in so you can take a look. It's called Break the Game. Oh, yeah, that one's was the one that was at first of my list, too. Yeah, that was very first of my list. And what the fuck is this? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I'll give it that much, but you know, I don't care that much about it to try to unlock the game itself. It looks like it's going to be a free-to-play, so... You know, or at least it's tagged that way, but it's interesting. Gotta give it that much, at least. Yeah. Hmm. And that's... Uh, well, I may have found something else. Anything on your end? So far, no. I'm still staring at this break the game. Like, I'm reading through it. So odd. But I should move yeah, on. That's that's why I linked it. It's like, what the hell is this? I, but I got another one. Air Memories of Old, or AER. A low-polygon, uh, cartoony-like... Uh, RPG exploration game. Uh, transform into a bird and fly and explore a, a, very, a vibrant world of floating islands in the sky. It looks interesting. A very low polygonal, so yeah, not a lot of detail on the characters themselves, but that can be endearing. Uh, granted, the, the style is starting to wear on me a bit. 
But yeah, there's not that many really good exploration games. Or at right. least recently, I should say. There are a lot of exploration games out there, but they have to be really good. And well, this looks like it's in the. It looks like it has a good price point on it, at least, of fifteen dollars. Yeah. Looks like it's being rated fairly highly. It's worth a look, at least. So, I got one. Battle Void Sector Siege, which is, uh, I assume, an, a, a sequel to Battle Void Harbinger, which was a sequel to, it might have just been called Battle Void, Battle Fleet, something like that. Yeah, it looks like it's kind of mixed on the reviews. Yeah, but it looks like it adds some 4X stuff into it, whereas before, Battle Void Harbinger was a roguelite. Um that you were trying to basically get to the end of the sector and every time you finished you got to keep some of your currency going forward to make the next run you know obviously easier because you could buy more ships or upgrades faster or whatever but this looks like it's got like a sector map and you're doing conquests and stuff which is cool uh it's eight bucks right now i'm not sure if it would be like that if it's very much like if the uh, Harbinger. Battle Void Harbinger. Which I got for like two mm-hmm. bucks, I think, so. Yeah, it's alright. Uh, well, I got a JRPG, Knights of Azure 2, Brad of the New Moon. It's not that bad of looking. Uh, yeah, typical JRPG. Uh, yeah, very. I, I think I, you linked this last week, so I, this may be a repeat. <laughs> Because I remember... What did you say it was yeah, called yeah, again? this is definitely a repeat, so I'm removing it. <laughs> because I remember the underboob now. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, that seems familiar. And I just got Battle Void uh, Sector Siege. So. I got air. I mean, it doesn't... Uh, yeah, Brads of uh, Azure doesn't look bad, It's but it's a sequel, so, you know. Uh, that may be a problem. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Are you fucking serious? Flappy Galaxy. Which is Flappy Bird, except with a spaceship. Yeah, I'm... Well, I went with uh, that other one because I'm getting a lot of bad stuff. Not interested. What? Only got a couple of games left. Yeah. I, I mean, I was kind of scraping the barrel. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I got one. This looks Star Control Origins. It's okay. on extreme uh, early access, as in pre-purchase, uh, <laughs> available in development. <laughs> It's, I would not recommend buying it right now because, first of all, First Commandment. Right. Looks like they're going on the cheap end of things, though. It's Star Control, so it's going to be a space RPG. Looks like uh, they're going full customization on ships, which is interesting. Granted, uh, the the, the problem with customization on ships is, are they tying stats to particular parts because that's my that was my biggest problem with sport is that if you wanted a you know, a decent character you know you were tied to very particular parts so you know are they going to do the same thing here or is it just you know co- completely cosmetic which is fine 
this looks interesting. Granted, it's probably going to be a long ways off. I mean, they don't even have a release date yet. Cool. But, yeah, something, something I, for your wish list. I got one. Uh, 60 parsecs. Looks like um, a choose-your-own-adventure game with scenarios oh, yeah, or like I've an FTL-type feel. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's not out yet, yeah, so I can't tell yeah, you a, more about it. Yeah, it's available to be announced. So we're... we're kind of, I can't tell if we're scraping the bottom of the barrel of the Discovery queue or if the Discovery queue's, you know, just uh, throwing out games that's like, hey, do you want to play a game in two years? <laughs> what, what is this? Yeah, I'm done with mine. Mercury Fallen. Nah. Nah. Only thing I'm a little concerned about with 60 parsecs is that it looks like it's all one scene. <laughs> High Hell. High Hell. Neon Soaked Arcade. Looks like it needs a lot of work. Wow, that's saying something with you. Yeah, it doesn't... What is it, Roblox? It looks like it's trying to be Roblox, but it got it really wrong. So, not interested in that. Thank you very much. And that's my cue. Well, that was disappointing. <laughs> so, I had two? I had three, yeah, but... two. Well, I technically had four, but I was holding one because I was getting a string of bad stuff, but it's something you did before, so that doesn't count. At least that I remembered. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I remember that under poop. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good sign whenever the only thing I remember about a game is under boob. <laughs> I think that's a great sign of some good under boob. Alright. Well, since we've both gone through our lists, then that means it's time for the part of the podcast where I go yeah, and I get first. Yeah, I my legs. You do that. Uh, if you want to find my stuff on YouTube, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist on YouTube. Nothing new or fancy or special. I had a really freaking crazy week at work last week, so no new recordings were done. Uh, there's still a few left that need to be posted. Uh, so those will be there, but... Otherwise, nothing else new coming this week, probably. Uh, if you want to follow me over on Twitter, you can do so at JMA4707. I uh, will reply to as many tweets as possible. And I talk about lots of stuff. A lot of it is political, so if you're not interested in politics, I totally understand. But I might not be the best Twitter account to follow for you. If you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. We do that on Friday nights. You guys are welcome to join in. Uh, it starts at 9 p.m. Eastern. We're still in daylight. Yeah, Eastern Daylight Time or uh, GMT minus 5, and then you can work that out based on your own time schedule. Um, if you want to be my friends on Steam, you can do so. Do, do buy so. Do so by <laughs> sending me. I'm glad I came back for that. Sending me a friend request on Steam. My Steam username is jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests and talk to all of the lovely, lovely people and have lovely conversations. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Exodus. Exodus.
very biblical. Well, considering we have commandments, you know, uh, we're, we're probably going to have to write a Bible at some point, you know, just completely blaspheme. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so on my channel, not a lot of content going on right now because RimWorld's in a holding pattern until the next alpha comes out because I just had you know, my save file just completely break. You know, one too many mods. Uh, which is disappointing, but uh, it was a bitter end to Alpha 17. Eh? Eh? Because that was the name of the town. Eh? Uh, um, eh? I didn't get to sit down and figure out what to do for the replacement for Dark Cloud 2 because I was too focused on trying to get Game Club stuff done. and uh, it's, it's, It takes me a while to get through my library. I know, it's shocking. And it's just, nothing's jumping out for me that I want to play just yet. Uh, but at least the Vindy's still ongoing for this week, so not that going for me. Oh, and the Sunday sampler is not going to be on Sunday this week. It's definitely going to be on Monday because embargoes. Which usually means something interesting. And you know exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You're looking forward to this one. Indeed I am. And I really can't say anything else because uh, I'm embargoed till Monday because, well, the game's out, but eh, they want the reviews for the, uh, or I, I don't even technically do reviews. I still consider what I do first impressions, even though it seems like more often than not, I do more gameplay than some reviewers do, which is a little disappointing, but uh, they want reviews out on Monday for a release of next week. So you may be able to figure it out or just see what I'm playing recently because that you know, kind of narrows it down. <laughs> that would give it away. It would. Uh, but you can find all that uh, well this coming week and hopefully more content coming in the near future on Game with Caffeine Rage or just see what I tweet out somewhat randomly on uh, Twitter, Gaming with CR. And well, it, while you're checking things out, why don't you send us an email? You know, uh, oh, completely shock all the moths in uh, the mailbag. Uh, send it to vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or your questions. Or just tweet us vglpodcast on Twitter. If you wish to pay for this absolute madness, you can do so patreon.com slash vglpodcast. We do greatly appreciate your support. If you wish to see the show notes or to get the RSS feed, you can find us at bgopodcast.podbean.com or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever George stuck us next. Yeah, bumfuck. <laughs> what? Nothing? B bum bumblefuck. <laughs> uh, the new podcatcher <laughs> directory. <laughs> <laughs> BFE <laughs> Bumblefuck Egypt uh, Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod and our Discovery Cube music is Jubilee Doo by the same artist. You can find his work at Incomputech.com and As always as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice But why now, not? Does it ever really roll? Yes And? And No it doesn't <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, it doesn't really have a role. It's just kind of. Blah, 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 blah.
<laughs> now you're gonna have to try to uh, match it up to that uh, absolute nonsense. Nah, too much effort. Bye. All right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>